Welcome back to All the Things with Luke Tim. I am Luke Tim. This is my podcast, so I talk now. This is the intro. This is what we say before the good stuff starts happening. (laughs) Now you know the secret, what it's called. Um, Yeah, today on the podcast, I've got my good buddy Duncan. We um, intended on just having a conversation about the top five mistakes Christians make and the top three, just kind of for time, mistakes that pastors make. Um, But we are just all over the map. So I do hope you enjoy that. Um, As always, a little bit of language in here. So if if that's not something you like to hear from your Christians, your pastors, then don't listen. Turn it off now. Just want to say that I will be gone. You're going to hear this in the podcast. I'm headed to Kenya. So if you want to follow along on that mission trip, I'll be posting updates on my Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter probably as well. So check that out if you would like. We talk a little bit about Kenya in this podcast. It's uh, it's pretty cool. So hope you enjoyed last week's podcast. That was uh, Matthew Schnorr. That guy is just amazing. Hoping to have more people like that. So if you know somebody that I should have a conversation with, then you got to let me know. And you can email me. It is all the things with Luke Tim at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook. It's just my name. Um, yeah, with that, without any further ado, please welcome my good friend, Duncan. Oh, Duncan. Here we are. Started it before I was even by the microphone, but that's fine. Yeah, Nazis are evil. We've come to the conclusion. That was easy to, to get to, actually. Hans Gruber, not a good guy. Right. What is it about the Germans? So here's a funny story. <laughs> Speaking of Germans and Nazis, let's talk about my mom. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Duncan's back. Yay. Um, my mom, what I can't even recall, we were on vacation hanging out, and my mom said uh, somebody wanted something schnell. And that just means, like, right now, hurry up real fast. And just saying it, I was like, Ugh, a little shiver ran up my spine because German just sounds evil. <laughs> like, I've just associated anything said in German with <laughs> Nazis. And my mom is not a Nazi. There's nothing Nazi-like about her, but... Ich liebe dich. Right. It's... I don't want to <laughs> Oh, no. I'm going to be goose-stepping soon. <laughs> this is happening. Yeah, it's weird. My uh, My grandfather... He uh, he knew a little bit of German. Yeah, and he would always, you know, was he a Nazi? He was actually older than the Nazis. Oh, he cool. was born in 1910. Dang, that's my younger grandfather. The other grandfather was born in the. Uh, well, he fought in the Spanish American War. Yeah, more about that later, maybe. <laughs> maybe <laughs> top ten mistakes that ancestors made. <laughs> I don't know. What do we get? Okay, so no, but he would. He had some phrases. We're like, is this really like? He would. Say, it's Pennsylvania Dutch. Like, oh, okay. We were never really sure, but he had these phrases: "Consifi globsnet," like, and it could be, but I don't believe it. Oh, okay. And so we would just get used to Grandpa if he'd tell him something he didn't want to hear from Consai. Like a, <laughs> can't argue with that, Grandpa. He was. I can't argue with it because I don't understand I don't, that language. I'm sure you know what you're saying. Yeah, I uh, I don't think that Germans are all evil. We have a member of our church who his dad was kind of a Nazi. And it was one of those things where um, 
they were living in Germany during World War Two ish before, and like Hitler declared everybody's a Nazi. So it was technically, yeah, technically he was, he was a, Nazi. a Nazi. But they fled. They ran away. They went to like Bavaria. We, we or pretty something. good indication that they were not completely on board with the right. They ran away with the Third Reich, and then they moved you to know. America to, to get away from it all. But still, and fought against it. Technically a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure that you... I never let him hear the end of it. <laughs> you got that Nazi blood, don't you? Shut up. <laughs> uh, he does, though. That's just the way it is. Well, mm. it's it's because it's Germans are, are hardworking and smart and and can go down the road of Nazism without much warning. Well, yeah, we caused this. I mean, the whole idea that World War II happened in this, like, weirdly, this little strain of evil. We kicked them when they were down after World War One. Yeah, said, we set this thing up to happen. And then we did it after World War II to end up with the commies and, and the Iron Curtain. Mm, mm. Let's take this city, divide it into pieces, and, like, start to, uh, w- with all of the resources, start mm, to compete. Mm. We set that bad boy up. Mm. Duncan doesn't seem no. <laughs> the wheel, the wheels, the wheels were in motion by then. Well, for I mean, sure, because you have you have Russia over there. Because now all of a sudden we're 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 geopolitical experts, right? Are right so, Obviously, but no, they saw well, Ger- Germany almost did it, and we're a lot bigger than them. We can we can do it, right? And they figured out, and we also have the nukes now, right? And and we're going to put a chimp in space, which was when the cool. Americans see that <laughs> they're just going to wave the white flag. You put a monkey in outer space. <clears throat> So we put a more mature monkey in space. We win. We put a car in outer space. Which I wonder someday. Moon landing, um, yes or no? What do you mean? Like, did it happen? Yeah, did we walk on the moon? Oh, of course we did. All of this nonsense of the conspiracy. Like, I, there is, there is some doubt. There is some doubt. (laughs) See, here it is. No, no, of, of the chimp that the Soviets put a chimp in space. I've, I have read some things that say they may have – that may have been propaganda that they were like, oh, yeah, we totally did that, which I'm Because cool you can't with. ask the chimp, right? I or, mean, exactly. Like, Tell us about the time that you – yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's questions whether they did that, but there is no question. Like the whole moon landing stuff, I've, I've seen all of the, the lighting is an issue and he, there is – there are some issues though because there were some um, – oh – this, now I'm going to test my knowledge here. Um, a couple of like the the things NASA put out, like the pictures of moonwalk and stuff. Some of that they took like stock photos and repurposed them. So anybody who is conspiracy minded would look at that and be like, "Oh, see, it's all fake because they they took this moonwalking thing and it wasn't really the or the spacewalk. That wasn't really a spacewalk thing." And blah 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 blah. So it fuels the fire. It would have been better if they. But I get it. Like your NASA, you're like, oh, we need a great picture of a spacewalk. We don't have one. Let's just take this one, doctor it up. I mean, it happened. We just don't have a good shot of it. I get it. That's fine. We forgot to record probably the most significant event in human history. No, it was just a spacewalk. It wasn't the moonwalk. Well, it was not the moonwalk. The yeah. moonwalk footage. Footage. That's that's legit. It's pretty legit. Now, things get squirrely because like NASA lost or erased or recorded over a bunch of the some footage. guy recorded over with like his wedding video right uh, it was i don't know all the details that right but that again that doesn't help with the conspiracy theories no, out there like just but it really 
There's no. There's. Should no we duplicate way. this? No, no. Just one copy. We it, just need one copy. It's fine. It is weird. We're never we, going to want more than one copy of possibly the most significant event in human history. Yeah. And then when they say like it's really a big deal that we haven't gone back, like why don't why haven't we gone back? Why, if we did it the first time, why don't we go back? Why go back? Like we didn't find something awesome. Like did you we're know? Because we're bored. <laughs> right. We're going to spend billions of dollars. Yes. No. See, NASA, see, I'm a small government guy, except when it comes for putting people on other rockets. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> small government, except for rockets. You can have my money if it's going to put a colony on Mars, right? Just because, and, and the reason for that is there's never been a time in history when we've had the technology to do this stuff. And so, do we owe it to our kids and grandkids and, and posterity to say because we could, we did? No, absolutely. No, let's do let's do stuff here that is because we could, we did. All of the above. I'm also for deep sea exploration. I think that's yes. really because we know yes. more about like the moon than we do about what's at the bottom of the ocean. Right. That's what I care about. And honestly, if we're going to do deep because the crushing weight of water, like you try to explain, I'm trying to explain to my six year old, like, so at the bottom of the ocean, it will crush you. He's like, well, it's just water. Like, but it's miles of water. But it's, but it's water, right? I'm just trying to explain to him. I'm like, I'm not sure I understand this. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I want to know. So if we go deep space, I don't feel any kind of urge to go to Mars. I want a colony ship. I want I want us to build something where it we, hovers above the Earth, and then when it gets bad enough, whoop, we just take off. Well, partially, but like just a colony ship where we we decide we're going to send oh two hundred people, and they're mating pairs, right? <laughs> and they just keep having babies and train them to keep fixing and running the ship. And they just go forever <laughs> and ever and ever and ever. <laughs> and they mine some asteroids and they make some satellites and they keep spitting the satellites back towards Earth. And then like every decade we get an update. Like we're still here. We're you. way out here now. Thanks for putting us on the colony <laughs> yes, Yeah, my great, great, great grandpa. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I want to I mean, see. if you're like a Stephen Hawking, right, survival of the species, we need to get off the earth in 200 years kind of thing, then that's your that's your moneymaker. Yeah. I don't think we need to get off the earth in 200 years. Well, of course we don't. Right. Because when you look at the other places in the neighborhood, right, we got the best house on the block. Mm-hmm. Goldilocks and all that. All right, what are we talking about today? You uh, well because this is the filler episode from whenever you don't want to make a real episode with interesting people, uh, which I'm, I'm probably actually going to air this like next week <laughs> because I'm going to be in Kenya. So Tell us about to- Kenya. <laughs> Kenya, it's a great place to go. Um, yeah, I'm leaving to Wednesday to go to Kenya for uh, like twelve days, something like that. No more than that. More than a, yeah, about twelve days. White rhinos or like what? What's the? What are you gonna? Oh, at? we're gonna save the the pygmies and the no. We're going to um, place. It's Marunga. Uh, it's where our Kenyans who worship here with us at Living Faith are from, and they have started this thing called the Tumaini Empowerment Center, where they house about twenty kids. It's been running for about seven years now, and they take these kids who are um, right at the edge. So it's it, it's a weird thing in Kenya. You have you have a a chunk of people who are wealthy and well-to-do by their standards. Um, they actually have some people who are wealthy by our standards too, but like this, this slice of wealth and then you have the extreme poverty. It's good to be in either of those because if you're in extreme poverty, there's decent government help. 
um, that, that can address some of these things. It's, it's not great, but what's bad is if you're not quite poor enough. So, if so you, you go over there, take some of their money, puts them into the <laughs> fortunate – Exactly. We go and rob poor, pretty poor kids to make it's them really for your poor own kids. good. <laughs> like, we go take their lunch money. So you're dealing with the, with the underprivileged but not destitute. They're pretty – and see, this thing is by our standards, we say they're incredibly destitute. We're talking um, maybe this is – so mom and dad have died – but grandma or a great aunt or somebody is caring for them, um, doesn't have enough food to feed everybody enough, but has enough food to feed everybody not enough. Um, can't afford school. Um, oftentimes they're dealing with infections and illness. Um, they have these these little bugs. We think we know what they are. Um, here in the U.S., we, we, there are these little things called chiggers. They, like, get in your, your toes and, like, they're there. Um, People lose feet from them. Like they lose their feet. I've seen I've seen bones, like toes where the, the ends are eaten off and it's just bones at the end. Um, and they get into their hair and into their in their scalp and all that. It's, it's just awful. So it's those kids who don't quite and, and those kids don't qualify. So malnourished, um, uneducated, they don't qualify for assistance. You you have to be entirely orphaned and starving to death to qualify for assistance. So we try and get those kids into the center where um, they care for them, house them, feed them, and then pay for their tuition to go to school because there's no free school in Kenya. So, um, and that center, we're looking to grow that into um, over, actually the church is looking at um, the potential of buying land there because that's their biggest thing is they're leasing land. So buy the land. So the center becomes um, more established, grows a little bit, and then start a school. So their their school is just right there. And then we um, bring in other people who are paying tuition. So that slice that can afford it uh, subsidizes that chunk that can't and then open a clinic there, um, obviously caring for those um, center kids, but then um, expanding that to someday be a little bit more like a full-time clinic for the community. All of that then essentially grows into – church. So church, center, school, clinic, all those things in one spot. Rock and roll. That sounds awesome. I mean, it, it, it just... <laughs> it's pretty kick-ass. <laughs> so what, what would it take? So there's one kid comes in and he's in this condition that you described. How much U.S. American dollars does it cost to take him from that destitute condition to... You're now enrolled at a decent school. You're we. You're healthy again. Cleaned up. What's the? So right now the cost is about a hundred bucks a month. It's not cheap. Um, but well, I would argue that's incredibly cheap. Twelve hundred bucks a year. I can take a kid off, not off the street, but out of a deplorable condition. Yeah. And give them a shot at being. Yeah, a, a wealthy Kenyan. And also. Giving them the gospel. Right. For 1200 bucks a year. Right. But I'm speaking – 30, 40 cents a day? Yeah, but here's the, – the problem is – So um, that's that's an incredible deal. It is. It is. But what we're working really hard to avoid yeah, – $3 a day. I'm, I'm still drinking <laughs> Your coffee. math is great. It's fantastic. <laughs> the problem we're working towards avoiding is um, building this sense of um, dependency on us. So as it stands, our church has – has put in very few dollars. 
This is all on their own. So one of the, the great mistakes people do is uh, – this is all, Sally Struthers, all of this stuff, it, it pisses me off where you try and do good. I'm going to change one of my top ones here to to this one. So I'm cheating a little bit. Remind I'm, me. I have a guy that, <laughs> that needs to come down and do a podcast with you because okay. what you're going to say, he's on the same page with. Yeah. Only he does a, he does a training program, international – but go ahead. Yeah. So there's this the, a book that everybody should read is called Toxic Charity. Toxic mm-hmm. Charity is um, it's the the industry standard, but there's a few out there. When Helping Hurts um, and and a couple other ones. Africans Money. Um, there, we train our people before we go, so they get this. What we have done wrong is built this culture of dependency where Africans have been taught you're poor, you just stay there and keep being poor. We'll come and give you money. That way you're happy and I'm happy because I did something and I feel better and you get to eat food. That's A, not sustainable. And B, it's bad because you you diminish people. You, you tell them that they can't, they won't, you're useless, you need rescuing, you need to be saved. Which is interesting that we would still think that affirmative action would work over here, which is just a, uh, right, I a know. diluted form of <laughs> what you just described. Yeah, 100%. Now, I, I do not uh, – there is this gray area where some people do need the handout to get the hand up. Uh, yes, there there is that, but we extend that way too far. When the person comes in and is malnourished, I, I will eventually teach you how to fish. Right now, you need a ham sandwich. Yes, so that's um, the the way the book describes it, and I, I kind of twist the language um, and clean it up for when I teach this. I say you cleaned up the language of toxic charity. Yeah, yes, I fucking cleaned it up. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, the, the language to make it easier for people to understand is I, I say, you know, there's a difference between crisis and chronic, um, in a crisis state, somebody cannot, there, there is no, like, I need food now. Like, Oh, you're gonna have to get a job. Okay. But I'm actually dying. I need the sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll get a job, but can I get a sandwich? So that's crisis. And then, um, but we treat, the chronic problems as if they're crisis. And that is such a toxic, unhealthy relationship. Um, and it just builds dependency and it dehumanizes people. Um, when you when you convince a whole people group, um, man, things are so bad here and you'll need us to come and rescue you. You've just turned them into a victim. You've turned you've you've said you're useless, you can't help yourself. And we see it. We go over there and we watch where Somebody once told me when I was in Africa, says Africa is riddled with white man's good intentions. And you see it. You walk around, you go, oh, these people feel like they're, they're owed something. And they can't like it, as soon as something funding dries up. Now there's this animosity. You promised you would take care of me. You promised you would be here for me. And now you're gone. And then they hate Americans. Like just go ahead and apply that to our foreign policy in general. And here's a great story. Here's an awesome story of a guy. So we meet weird people from all over the world. I, I ran into this guy from um, Australia who married a Kenyan and was living in Kenya. And um, he was a farmer back in Australia and his wife's family had a farm. Uh, so he modernized this bad boy. Uh, he brought in like it was incredible. His his farming operation was killer. And then there was this food crisis. I want to say it was in 96. 
somewhere in there, there's a food crisis and the U.S. just started sending um, tankerfuls of corn over just these giant ships filled with food and corn to Kenya. And put him out of business. Killed him. Mm-hmm. Had to sell the farm and he runs a bed and breakfast now. He's, he's still successful, but he, it was just this great example. He told me, he goes, I, I don't understand how you think that can't be destabilizing to an economy when you flood the economy with not cheap goods, but free, free. goods. Can't compete with free. Yeah. <laughs> because it killed all of the business. So I got a buddy of mine from uh, from college, and I'd like, I'd like for you to put him on your show because I'm trying to get mm-hmm. him down to our church to talk about – because I'm trying to steer this back to church. Yeah, yeah. Top That's five, a good idea. Top three. Uh, because we're only – well, no, shoot. We got <laughs> three hours to forever. This is going to be like Lord of the Rings extended. <laughs> so – but he, he was a buddy of mine from college, evangelical. He identifies as Baptist, but he's he, – he, he's not like – Baptist. Not one of those. <laughs> he hasn't tried to drown me yet. I mean, so I remind him to baptize his kids. He, he <laughs> Have you baptized him on the, on the side? He doesn't think it's funny, but <laughs> he's, he's an old buddy of mine. And he started a, he got in he big, big time into evangelism in college, whatever, got kicked out of the Mormon thing back in college. Nice. Because he asked them questions. <laughs> that kind of guy. Um, he actually got Norm Geisler to come down to our college and do a, a panel on, on, uh, you know, defending the faith. And that was, that was a lot of fun. And anyway, um, the number one need of the church overseas, we have this vision of like, oh, the church is growing in places, Iran, China, Kenya. It's great. It's booming. And he goes, yeah, it is. You know, what's being taught in that church, like paganism yeah. with Jesus. Uh-huh. And so he said, the number one need, if you ask anyone over there, isn't we don't want your short-term missionaries. We don't want you to come and build us another orphanage or paint our school. We're only doing that because maybe you'll fund what we know really needs to happen down the road. What we need are people who are trained. Yes. We need our pastors to learn stuff. But yes. we can't send them to the Western world for four years to get a seminary education. Not only can't we afford it, but while they're gone, some ding-dong's going to step up. Yep. And we're going to start like – whatever paganism again. And so what he does is provides training. He gets Christian leaders over here to go over there and train their leaders Mm -hmm. in this is the Trinity. This is Greek, you know, but it's bringing it to them, not doing it for them, but training them. And I just see tremendous. Oh, that's what we do. The same mindset on this is what you need. We can't give you what you need, but we can begin a process that's going to, that you will take yourself there. Yeah. This is what I was trying to get you to do in July in Kenya, but you You are haven't asked me this year kind to of, go. I asked you several times. Last year. <laughs> Last year. <laughs> Let's do next year. Are you going to go next year? Is Kenya still going to be around next year? Are you well, going to be around next year? We'll have to see what Trump does. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> it's hard to say, isn't it? Um, yeah, so our July trip, and I will say this is as, as much as – you know, you and I might dog on, or for sure I will dog on the LCMS. We do this pretty well. We have. It's not very kind of you. What? You think the LCMS is on life support? I do. So you are coming into the death wing of a hospital, into the, into the, and it is, there it is, you know, somebody's old <laughs> dying German grandfather, mm-hmm. and it's on life support. Yeah. And it can barely breathe, in, in your mind, can barely breathe and talk, and you're coming in and saying, you're dumb. Yeah. That's not nice, Luke. 
up to well it's the just same. let it if you're right if you're right about things and the more i listen to you the more i think you are just just, just let her go just put the put the dying eskimo on the iceberg and just <laughs> well the idea would be that if if i keep saying stuff <laughs> People maybe okay, Joel point, Osteen. If well, I keep yeah. saying it over and over, <laughs> yes. it's gonna happen. I'm gonna name it and claim it. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Um, but so the LCMS does this. Like they, so our long term missionaries over there, what they, they're recruiting us to. We go over there and we train them. That's the whole idea. Is we're training these churches that are in the ELCK. Um, but the problem is we kind of screwed up the ELCK. ELCK is Evangelical Lutheran Church of Kenya, which is different from the ELCA. But it sounds way too much the same. <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've kind of messed up their church body. In my, but that's other politics. We don't need to get into that. But yeah, we, that's the idea. Is um, So purchasing land would be hugely beneficial. But it doesn't – it's not the same as us supporting them with dollars that would be like this ongoing – we're going to support – because if I say we can support 10 kids, well, what if then eventually we can only support five or then we can't support – but if we just own the land and it's it's just there and they're, they take care of the funding on their side and they've got great ways to do that, sustainable ways to do that. So you want to remove roadblocks that are holding them back from doing their God-given yes. ministry, not coming in and saying we'll do this 20 percent of your ministry for you Yeah, because maybe next year – Luke has a bad voters meeting and right. they decide we're not going to do it. Right. So where you get sick. Yeah. Or smoke too many cigarettes. I had, a, I had a cigarette last night. It's not my fault. The mother of – so I had a wedding yesterday. At weird on a Sunday. I know. You you you, 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 you didn't solemnize it. You officiated. I officiated it. I married him. I married Olivia and Logan. It's one of those. It's weird. And instead of blowing bubbles as they ran out of the church or throwing <laughs> rice, they gave everyone cigarettes. No, but the mother of the bride wanted to have a cigarette with me. How do you say no to that? Single? <laughs> no. She's actually a lovely member of the church, love her to death, love her whole family. She needed to smoke. <laughs> How do you say no? I stole her lighter, though. I told her, I'm like, I'm keeping this forever now. <laughs> well, Luke, you just say no. Now, you can't say when the mother of the bride wants to have a smoke. Well, she can have a smoke. With me. That was the point. One cigarette or two? Just one. Hmm. Yeah. And I just, immediately this morning, I'm like, why am I so stuffy? Why is my throat? Oh, that's right. <laughs> I had a cigarette last night. With the mother Crap. of the bride. Ugh. You don't like doing weddings, do you? I don't. See, I do. I hate them. They're the best thing ever. So on occasion, I get a good one, and yesterday was a good one. Yesterday was a super good one. Okay, I'll go with you on the weddings that we all question whether or not we should be a part of. 90% of them. No. <laughs> no. 90? 95? Oh, you... Yeah, I shouldn't be a part of any weddings. Except for like the one last night. I mean, it's... This guy, the father of the bride. I would has, love to have Thomas go through. Sarah, not so much. Thomas, pre-marriage counseling with you would be fun. <laughs> go talk to go talk to Uncle Luke. <laughs> talk him right out of it. <laughs> have you ever done that? Talk someone out of? Um, yeah, getting hitched twice. Do you just look at him and be like, "There's no way." Um, the one time was with the couple, and the other time was with the dude. I, I was like, "No, man." This is not 
Well, it was okay. How do I say this in case anybody's listening who might know who this is? Uh, I don't think it matters. Who cares? Um, guy was coming off a divorce. It was it was too too soon from the divorce, and I wasn't sure that the two of them would or wouldn't be right. I just knew this guy was not done dealing with a divorce, um, and he was not in a spiritual, emotional place to he make this decision. Rebounds. A lot of it was rebound. Kind of yeah. Um, but like even if it wasn't rebound, I was like, I, I just don't. This isn't good. Too soon. And so they ended up waiting and then not getting married. Huh. So I guess I talked them out of it. But then the other, the other one, um, this couple, you know, just were struggling, struggling, struggling. And I said, listen, if, if you're fighting so hard, so hard now, it's not going to get easier later. And I think that... I'm going to marry him. I'm going to change him. It's gonna, he's going to be, be my prince. You know what it kind of came down to? And this is sad. Is it kind of came down to almost to show everybody else they were really going to do it and get married. Yeah. Because everyone else is telling him, that, no, you shouldn't. You can't. Oh, yeah, exactly. watch this. Yeah, that's. I was like, you're, so you're getting married for spite? <laughs> that's. Terrible. That's a new one. <laughs> yeah, it was like That's we're gonna podcast material. But it was like we're gonna show the world. You know, my mom thinks he's no good, and my friends tell me that she's no good. And, but we're gonna show them. Like, but do you love each other? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard you talking about because you're literally not gonna live with them and live with each other. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm turning into that angry pastor, the angry old guy, mm-hmm. where. I got several weddings, just one too many of getting burned by you just wanted the show. Yeah. And so I'm going to be a little more judicious on I'm going to do your wedding. I'm not going to do your wedding. And and here's why. Because it, it is. It's, it's, you're getting these couples coming in where you're like, this is – you haven't been in church for, for five years, not even Christmas and Easter. But you want the church wedding. You're sitting in pre-marriage counseling just nodding your head. So pre-marriage counseling for me is completely optional. Look, yeah. if this is a waste of your time, it's a waste of my time. I can tell you why it shouldn't be a waste of your time, but I'm not yeah. I'm not going to make you sit here if you're just doing this to get the fairy tale wedding of your dreams. This is a waste of my time. Yeah. But, I, if, you're, but if you're invested in it, if you're 100% in, then yeah, let's do it. Let's I canceled look at all the, the wedding. When did you? <laughs> I just remembered this. I canceled a wedding, oh, four or five years ago. Um, yeah, I, dude, I take no shit. I, I am just not interested in being a part of things that suck. I just, I don't want to. So this couple comes from out of the blue and it's, I've, I've, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with a bride who is so frustrated going like, why won't churches just like do my wedding? And I go, because they don't know you. <laughs> do you think the church owes strangers something? Because in the staff meeting last week, the entire staff was huddled up together just praying, Lord, <laughs> please, random wedding. Send me somebody. <laughs> right. Our facility is open this Saturday. What are we going to do? Yeah, so this couple, um, I always make it hard for a couple who's not like at all connected to our church. And it was a couple from, um, oh, probably 20 minutes from us in, and they live, uh, in a small town in Iowa. And, um, this church is very convenient for, um, 
everybody to just meet in the Des Moines area. There's a lot of hotels around. For them, it was convenient. It's not convenient for a lot of people. But in this particular case, this would work out. And I told him, I said, this is for people who are part of us. And they're moving to Adel. So they're getting married, moving to Adel, which is only five minutes down the road. So maybe we'll we see We could you be later. your church. Right. And I said, um, so what we expect is that you would start the process of joining our church. Um, start the process with premarital counseling. Um, come get to know us. Hang out. Crickets. Okay, okay. You know, sign us up. Put it on the calendar. Crickets, crickets, crickets. Nothing. And we had the date just basically penciled in. A handful of communications from us to them, nothing back. So it got to be about three months before the wedding, and I just told them, you can't get married here. Sorry. We got here's and I laid it out. Here's here's the thing we agreed to and you you signed. Like we make them sign an agreement. We gave them their deposit back. <laughs> I'm sure they felt better. <laughs> But please come visit us. Yeah, and she was distraught. Um, what was the reason for no communication? Because I'm sure she church. thought that it was, oh, that oh, you're canceling the wedding, right? Ha ha ha! All right, sorry, we'll we'll show up to the thing. What what was the reaction when they when you said? Oh, she flipped. Nine. <laughs> she was crying and screaming, and I said, "Listen, I." We said, like, this is for people who engage with us to be part of our community. You have not engaged at all. You have not fulfilled any of the things. And and I said, I'm trying to cancel this far enough in advance that you can tell people where not to go (laughs) for your wedding. To that stupid church. Because they're going to show up here. And we're going (laughs) to. The doors are going to be locked. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to be here that Saturday. What you should have (laughs) done. You should have gone ahead and acted as though the wedding was here. Yeah. <laughs> you had ushers, a program, everything. <laughs> Some white flowers. <laughs> right at the same time as the actual wedding. Yeah. Oh, oh, she was pissed. And they're halfway through a regular worship service going, I don't see the bridesmaids. The yeah. Bridesmaids. It would have been fantastic. She she kind of, I mean, she blew up. She was really angry. Um, the the fiance called me and yelled at me. He tried it. Yeah, mm. how'd that go for him? He got yeah, found no harbor with me. I was like, listen, you guys knew this. <laughs> I told you this. You didn't do this. And he was like, I just again back to the. I can't believe a church would say no to somebody getting. Like, why the fuck do people think I owe them something? Because this church exists. Like it's here. <laughs> We built this place knowing someday you would get married. We've been waiting so long for you. I mean, yeah, we talk about Jesus sometimes, but that's not the point. The point is you you can princess, waste my princess, Saturday. We want to make you a yes. princess for 37 minutes. We can minutes. all dress up on a Saturday three years from now, and we can dance and sing. and can smoke flowers. a cigarette with oh. your mother. It's going to be great. <laughs> Oh yeah, and mom called me. I yeah. Oh, the mom called, dude. I got letters, like like written, printed, sent letters. I think they wrote something up about us in uh, their local newspaper, um, like a letter to the editor. Why we're such a terrible place. It was great. I I lost Good. zero sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no, crazy lady, angry. Ooh, <laughs> it was. I forgot about that. My my poor admin lost a lot of sleep over it, though. She just she felt so bad about We're such it. Such a mean church. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. I know. I get it. It's fine. Or why would I say no to a funeral? Like, um, because <laughs> this, it's a Christian funeral. Because we're going to say things yeah. that you don't agree with. Yeah. I mean. And you want me to tell you that your your friend who has never professed a, a faith, has never been baptized, never been in a church, you want me to come and tell you that they're in heaven they're they're an angel now, looking through holes in the floor of heaven, watering the earth with their tears or something. Stupid. Well, they're a flower because God needs a garden. Yeah, and he 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 rips <laughs> rips them out of this. <laughs> I, I just why are people dumb when it comes to dying and death? Yeah, I it just so so that was not let's let's segue this. So saying no to Rapunzel uh, was not one of your top five mistakes that you've made as a pastor. No. No, it's one of the best things I've done. <laughs> Put it up on the list of that's a great thing. Um, yeah, what do we want to do? So the the idea of today was podcasts that are yeah we're forty minutes in or so. Um, podcasts about top five mistakes Christians make and top three that pastors make. How do we want to do this? You want to do like one at a time from five down to one? I'll show you mine. <laughs> but me. do you want to see all of mine or do you want to see a little bit at a time well see this is my day off because <laughs> we're doing this on a monday so i can spend as much time on this podcast as you want the only thing i have tonight is a shutting call at four o'clock mm. and then men's poker at seven nice so if somehow this airs today yeah come on over <laughs> <laughs> to we'll duncan's play place play poker you guys play for money uh yeah, good for you. I'm glad you're not one of those. I mean, I, I'm assuming you're not. Not a lot of money. 10, I mean, we're not like. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's got a guy's car once. I, I felt bad, but then <laughs> you didn't feel that bad. I didn't feel that bad. <laughs> All right, so um, so top five, top five, going so, from dude, five well, down to one. Let's take our time with this because uh, I think your list is dumb. <laughs> you don't know my list. That uh, doesn't mean I don't think it's dumb. All right. So number five, let me go five to one. Number five is uh, mistakes Christians make is stop being fun. Christians feel like they can't have fun because if people see them laughing, they'll think that the Christianity, that they're not taking their faith serious. Um, We can't have fun during a worship service. We can't laugh at something during a worship service or uh, like playing poker tonight. That, that's a classic one. Go, Ooh, can Christians do that? That's a. I'm not sure if that's okay. That's gambling, right? That's a game of chance. How dare you? Um, and I think we do a disservice to our, our witness if we try and make it. We accidentally make it as though the Christian faith is boring and there's no fun. So, so I don't know. Christians I mean, I we, we we should have more fun and and. I, fork in the road on this, right? Because some of the best times I've had were working with evangelical Baptists, like the religious right, in in hi, later years of high school, college, even out of college, at camp. Like we did awesome, cool, fun things. We did naked hiking. We did. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Glad I wasn't there for that. <laughs> <laughs> we shot guns at other people that were hiking. Right? So, I mean, this is Luke Tim level <laughs> Wait, fun. Right? Guns? You yes. Shot at people? Yes. Airsoft people? 
Well, in there, like not like not to, them, not to okay. kill them, but like we, we, we hunted men for sport. <laughs> That's um, we, what that sounded like. I was like Duncan. This, but no fun. Fun stories like that. Like are up on murder. Like, like P Rock getting dynamited because we wouldn't stop peeing on it, and they made it. Like we had uh, really good times with people. That, so on one hand, you go that route, and when I hang out with those guys today, here we are. Darren, the guy we were talking about earlier, he was doing a fundraiser. He invites me and like three other guys from camp to this fundraiser he's doing for his TLI, Training Leaders International. And we got together and it was like we had – I mean we're all old and fat and whatever. But like 20 years later, we're still like just hit it off right where we stopped. That's awesome. So that's like – that's the way it should be. And and we also had like – we studied scripture together. We prayed together, ran the gamut from being silly, dumb, fun to brothers in Christ. On the other extreme – is what you're saying is the person who comes through the line after church and you didn't light the candles in the right order. Right. So let me understand, right? Mm-hmm. Christ gives you his body and blood, like for real, his body and blood. <laughs> you hear the very word of God read and proclaimed. God listens to your prayers. You confess your sins and he speaks through the absolution to you. You are forgiven and you come through the line. And the one thing you want to talk about <laughs> Is candles? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> right. <laughs> that was that was your takeaway, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm taking back the forgiveness. Then you're unforgiven. Bah. And we'll, can we do that? <laughs> I don't think we can do that. I forgive you, but not you. Yeah, I forgive. <laughs> I forgive most of you, Sally. You have to come. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I and or just like the. So, for instance, we we laugh a lot, and I think we hit the tone really well in our church where it doesn't get too far. Mm-hmm. It's fun, but it's – so, like, at my son's confirmation, um, I'm, I'm turning to – because we do confirmation individually. I'm turning to present him to the congregation, and I get a little <laughs> choked up, right? And then my sound guy hits the, the sound from uh, – uh, Lion King going, not to Kenya. Like, and it was the whole place just lost their shit laughing. And it was, it was great. It was funny. Some people might think, oh, it's a reverent moment. Your son has made his public confession of faith. This is serious business. Well, and Disney is the devil. So well, there is. I that. mean, you yeah, do have that, but I mean, they're Nazis. <laughs> not completely. <laughs> I know. So the, um, yeah, the, or the idea that you know should a should a pastor be doing that? Should a pastor be going out and and having smoking fun, a smoking a cigarette with the mother of the bride? Yes, is the answer. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, what's your number five? So that's that's I 100 percent agree. Um, I'm going to go the easy route because this goes in a progression. Yeah, mine too. N- number one, um, that salvation is somehow earned. Low hanging fruit, right? That that somehow. I need to or have done something um, that makes me better than those people over there. Yeah. So when I look at salvation being earned, I don't. I'm not thinking like Roman Catholic sacramental summit Pelagianism. I'm thinking that right that I have done or or still need to do something. Mm-hmm. But that and and then that somehow separates me from the herd. Or just keeping score, like yeah. And it's this really soft score where it's like a a gut feeling. Like I remember, so when my son used to. I went to, to two Bible studies this week. Exactly. Just so you know. I get like this idea that I'm ahead of the game. My, my son used to play t-ball or like coach pitch and they wouldn't keep score. All the kids. 
when we so in the stands we were trying to keep score of course because you know we're trying to, but it was such bad baseball like at some point you're like was the last inning sure six or seven game. runs i mean every inning it's oh it's like i think it was 27 to 24 like it's hard hard to tell if you take out the fourth <laughs> inning which no one's really sure about <laughs> right like i don't think their team batted in the fourth it's <laughs> so so but like you like by gut feeling it feels like our team scored more runs and it by gut feeling it feels like i'm better than you i'm pretty sure that's true <laughs> and that and, and, it, and it's more than just a annoying like that real pious person that wants you to know they're pious is annoying right yeah <laughs> It's more than that. It's I don't think you get it at all. Uh-huh. I really, you know, you really worry about your people who I'm on the ushering team. And before Almighty God in heaven, that actually is very important. And Jesus was willing to send me to hell forever, except I volunteered to be a, a, an usher. Yeah. And now I am in like Flynn and you, sir, I'm, I'm, I don't know where you're at. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just do you, do you people do you, like look at what you're saying, right? Like, so Jesus can't save you. He needed you to go to that Bible study to get the points to put you over the line. Yeah. He really? Needed, he needed a little bit of help. He just couldn't – or he didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm willing to watch you burn forever. Because <laughs> you didn't. Because I kind of hate you. <laughs> but then you went to then – you, then you volunteered for the homeless shelter. Yeah. And I'm willing to eternally – yeah, OK. Even though, sure, you're in. It's just – it's dumb and – to me, you worry about people. Are they on the team at all if they do the scorekeeping? I think right, number I'm, one. I'm a, yeah, so I'm going backwards. I'm going five to one being the biggest one. You're going from one to five being I'm, the I'm going one. in order. I think all of these are equally awesome and okay. better than yours. Um, I'm, and you have a bonus, so I'm going to have a bonus. I just talked I about this. I forgot what my bonus one was. What was it? Um, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember now. Uh, okay. So my, my next one is fake sanctification – or the facade, okay. not what you were talking about, which is similar, but rather that that's no, the same thing. I just got there first. No, no, it's it's the everything's good. It's oh, good. oh, I'm good. I'm happy. I look. Facebook shows my family exactly, perfect. Exactly. Look how happy we look. <laughs> Sunday morning. How you guys doing? Good. Better than you. Good. Oh, better, you should see. My husband is so great at home. It's like I am never going to touch you. You will never see me naked again. I hate you. Go get the kids, or I'll stab you in the throat. It's your turn, not mine. In that church on Sunday morning, everybody's all pretty up. Yay! How you doing? My husband's great. My family's great. Look at great. us. We touch during service. Oh, uh, in fact, that painting right there, I preached a sermon series oh, oh years and years ago um, called Facade, and I just preached basically. These are the different kinds of masks that people put on. And behind that, I said, every one of you's got a fake mask. You come here on Sunday, and it's fake. And a high school kid painted that. Wow. And she won like awards and stuff and wasn't going to do anything with it. And I said, can I please have that? <laughs> and I framed it and hung it in this room because it is. And that's awesome. And it's, it's a self-portrait. That's, that's what she looks like. Yeah. It's just go- – so it's got this fake – for anybody listening, you, maybe I'll post a picture of it. It's got a – like she's holding that stick that's the face. The and it's of the opera look. Yeah, the phantom of the – and then behind it, the she's like crumbling and crying and like pieces of her are coming off. So after listening to that sermon series, she painted that and I went, geez, I got to get that up. That's but cool. what I'm seeing – and so she painted that, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the, her face is falling apart, whatever. That's a pretty girl. 
She is. She's beautiful. I mean, I mean that that room, yeah. the, the painting. I don't yep. no, no, think for high school is. girls. But. <laughs> She's married and in college now. I did her wedding too. That was a fun wedding too. So like I said, a handful of weddings are fun. <laughs> it's it's the people like that who listen to a sermon and paint something amazing. Those people, I love doing their weddings. It's like 5%. <laughs> Honestly. No, that's actually a good one. And and just for members of Living Faith and St. Paul, Luke and I have been doing this pastor gig for 13, 14 years. Yeah. Um, so if your intent is to fool us, <laughs> we're, we're not. No. We get it. You are like, all screwed we, up. Right. Every single one of you is – and we know – and we could probably guess what it is. That's what's fun. In fact, in our next podcast we, – <laughs> We're going to name names. <laughs> we will guess it. Yeah. I, I just I – can, I can honestly do it when I talk to somebody and, you know, for about 10 minutes and go, oh, problem in your marriage. Mm-hmm. Or I can say – Kids are – Kids, that's the next one. silly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's – or you've got a drinking problem. That's but but I okay, so of. but then the extreme, the other extreme of that, where oh, everything in my life is always falling apart all the time. Mm-hmm. You have that extreme where no, everything in your life is not falling apart all the time. There are things in your life that that are in need of prayer, in need yeah. of in need of help from your church. But look at all the wonderful things God's doing in your life, also. And it you can you can easily go one extreme or the other. Oh yeah. It's another facade. And in fact, that was one of them was, and I know people, I have family members who are this way, where um, everything's not okay unless everything is not okay. I Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 I yeah. pulled that together years ago to describe people in my family. <laughs> everything is not okay unless everything is not okay. We, they need, they Victim thrive mentality. on drama, brokenness, yeah. victimness. Um, or even if it's not themselves, you, you can just see them, their activity, their energy, everything increases when there's a problem with someone they love, someone they know, something they've heard about, something I've done. Because interesting, interesting is better than boring, right? Yeah, so I, you're, I think it's because, so I believe people like that don't want to deal with their own broken mess. So they're highly invested in other people's broken messes. Or I am so messed up, I don't even know where to start. Sometimes, and so, yeah. And it's the whole counseling yeah, thing, right? So like the status quo, even though it's miserable, is more comfortable than perceived the effort of changing. Or the the real issue is so – like it's there, there are people who have tragic things have happened to them at some point in time. And that's the root cause. But to get to that is so scary – I'm going to create a smaller drama to deal with. I get that done. I'm going to create another smaller drama so I don't have to deal with this huge drama. And so as pastors, we're going, I think I know what the underlying cause is. And while I would love to spend 10 hours a week, I mean, I, right? This is preaching, right, brother. Right? I would love, I mean, because you would. Like, I, I would love I would to be love the person that. God uses to help fix you. But I got right? a day job. <laughs> but I just don't have the time because yeah. I, I know how much time and effort it's going to take here. And this church is paying me to be the pastor for all the members of the church. Mm-hmm. And and that's where we get stuck on how much time do you spend on the people who there's a dark rabbit, deep rabbit hole that yeah. we would love to go down because we love you and we care about you. And we have to have a sermon ready on Sunday and a wedding maybe this Saturday if we don't cancel it. Yep. That's on my list of... Uh um, pastor's, pastor's mistakes. mistakes that I'm writing as we oh, talk. You're copying mine. Anyway, 
<laughs> All right. What's you your are number one? two? If number one is that people somehow think salvation is earned, number two is that salvation is somehow cheap. It's, it's, it's Bonhoeffer cheap grace, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the whole thing of being a Christian is a big deal, right? It's not this thing. It's, it's an identity. Free it's, and it costs a lot. It's free and it might kill you. I yes. mean, it, it's, it, 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 it is your life. You are a slave to Christ. You are his property. The good news is you're not a slave or property of the devil anymore right. or sin or evil, right. right? But you are still someone's property. It just happens to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And Which I to conform everything to being like Jesus, to run the race. So all those analogies scripture gives on – Oh, you're breaking microphones I, and stuff. microphones a piece of – They are. Unsanctified no. crap. It's, <laughs> it's, you can it's say shit nice. on this podcast. It's, I know. You right? don't like to swear on, on the podcast and that's OK. I'll swear for you. We're barely an hour – we're not even an hour in. I'm still no. waking up. All right. So it's, it's the cheap grace thing. Yes. And, and watching Christians – you know, and and this is where you get. Oh yeah, I was raised. I was raised Methodist. I was raised. Uh, I grew up going to church, and I, now I go to church, and I'd go. Like, I don't think you get it. And like, and like when when you don't see your members actively pursuing righteousness, not to earn salvation, but because of who you are in Christ, you are a royal priesthood, holy nation. Start freaking living like it. Right. Right. And and to not see people taking that part of their of their walk with Christ seriously, going. Do, do, do you get it? Or is this just some club you belong to, some box you check to make you feel good? You don't understand the cost of discipleship. Right. You know, and I, I did a Bible study one. And it's, it's fun to watch people during a Bible study because you know when they're like thinking about what's for lunch, when they're trying to stay <laughs> awake. And then there's some questions you ask where they're like, shit, I live in a colony. <laughs> right? And the one question I asked was, n- name one important life decision you made only because of your faith in Christ for no other reason than you believe in Jesus. Crickets. Nothing. Because I asked that question to myself and I was like, oh, wow. It's like <laughs> – I hope I have a list. <laughs> it's like my list is like really small things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And but, but to get to that point where I'm, I'm deciding to do X, I have no other reason to do this other than I believe in Jesus. Right. There's no – and then over here, I make some connections professionally or then maybe my kid will be able to or my wife will like it if I – I made this decision only because I believe in Jesus. Yeah. I just recorded a podcast and just posted a podcast, I should say, with this guy, um, Matt Schnorr. He's the guy who's been – I've been trying to get on for – he does jail ministry in Polk County and he's got cerebral palsy. He's got a heart condition um, and he does jail ministry. He's – in a couple of years, he's planning on selling everything he owns to go to Southeast Asia in Laos to do full-time, long-term mission work. And he and I kind of came to this conclusion – I think it's a lack of suffering. And I, I told him in the podcast, I go, the problem is I think most of us don't suffer. And I go, I worried that I've, I've got a gap in my experience because I've not suffered a lot. I just haven't. I mean, I've, my parents oh, never right. divorced. I've never, I grew up, you know, not, not rich. We, we, I always joke we grew up poor and, uh, but I said we grew up poor cause we couldn't afford the R, um, and then I went to Kenya and said, oh, I never, never mind. mind. <laughs> <laughs> I did, didn't actually grow up poor. So I shut my pie hole. Um, and I never suffered. And he's suffered a lot. A but he lot. wants to do it again. 
oh, he's dying to do it. He, he, in fact, that was kind of his premise even before we started podcasting. Here, shut up, stop talking. We got to we got to record this. He, he said, uh, so we were talking about joy and suffering. I said, I don't know if a Christian can have joy if they don't suffer. Because your faith becomes real. Because you realize I have no control over anything. Right. I'm a worthless, weak. Well, then you know what the joy of Christ is. When when you see what sucks and what hurts. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Yeah, then you go, oh, that's that's why this whole Jesus thing makes a difference. I think, I think we need to look for suffering. So here's a prayer that be careful when you pray it. Because I've prayed this prayer several times. And every time I've prayed it, God has, oh, he's answered. And he absolutely you pray for more body hair, facial hair and stuff? Because... Good looks, charming personality. Yeah, it's it's no. Keep praying. <laughs> ask God to change something in your life. Because mm. I prayed that, like Lord, like everything's good, everything's complacent, and I'm beginning to think that I deserve some credit for it, and I don't want that. So, change something, whether it's from good to better or from good to to not so good. I need to be reminded that this is you're in control. So change something in a way that leaves me no other answer than this is you. Hmm. He'll answer. Yeah, I like it. Um, <laughs> I've not prayed that, but I I just actively seek ways to to make life hard. <laughs> I do smoking <laughs> smoking with a mother in law or mother of the bride. That's the thing. Um, Why did they pick Sunday afternoon for a wedding? Because it's not a holiday weekend. It's not like you have a day to get home on Monday. I'm not entirely sure of all of the reasons, but like so. This was one of those really unique cases where the the first conversation that I had with this couple. And so to, to kind of so that one the dad father of the bride um, is involved in everything here at church. The mother of the bride works at this church. Kids are like Jesus loving rock stars. So the first conversation I have with this young woman is, I'm not sure if I should continue dating this guy because I need to make sure our faith is in alignment and I'm not, you know, like, should we continue? I need to go off in the wilderness and like have a thing. It it literally was, I I don't know if he has the, like, should we date if if our faith isn't in the same place? And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, this guy's going to be like an atheist or like, like Jewish or something. It's going to be obvious. He's loves Jesus, um, grew up Catholic and is now kind of, you know, Non-denom, <laughs> right. but goes to church and Bible study regularly. I was like, I think you're cool. <laughs> so, so they come in and we sit and talk and it's like, so That's our great. first conversation, we're having conver- – like the, the topic is the sacrament. Um, is means is. And he's like, yeah, I get that. You know, it's what I grew up with in the Catholic church and we're kind of deconstructing views on the sacraments. He goes, no, I, th- I think I'm on board with, with the Lutherans. I'm like – you guys aren't fighting over does Jesus exist? You're you're down into the weeds, the important stuff. Like I, this is cool. Yeah, you're fine. And then they said, "All right, so so you think we can keep dating?" And I go, "Yeah." Do you think we should get married? I said, "Yeah." And they're like, "Let's do that tomorrow." And I go, "You're going to need more than a day to plant." I go, "I I told them I the father of the bride. No, that's a dream. Out. That's go get the license, come back, and we're, we're game on." And they almost did it. Oh, I want to do one of those. I want to do one of the like Braveheart at night, like uh-huh. and the waterfall and the moon and like boom and go. And I, I, what I said was, how important is a wedding to you? And the answer was eh. a little. Oh, 
Praise Jesus for that. That is a huge (laughs) – Right? That is the right answer. Oh, yes. I said if you want a wedding, I go, there just is no way you can do it in under eight months. No. Oh, no, 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 no. My my thought was – Three months. Well, what I said was – okay, I get it. But you, you had to make some sacrifices. No. Somebody didn't make it. Somebody couldn't make it. We had 350 people at our reception. Good on you. Right? Yeah, that's impressive. Uh-huh. I, the only reason I said eight months is I go, if, you, if you want the right they, venue, like if you're, if you're worried about a venue. Okay. And if you're worried about, you know, I want all of the grandmas, all of the aunts, all of the cousins. No, you tell them if they love you, they'll come. This is, this is the way for you to see who loves you. Well, I, my, my point was simply, you know, <laughs> you just, just for scheduling. That's the only, like there could be right, somebody right. else's wedding. So marry them, marry them in, in your chambers. Yeah. You have I've, chambers? I've done that before. I'd, yeah. All of the rooms I'm in are my chambers. <laughs> this is my chamber. <laughs> I am Lord of the church. Um, no, that's not true. Strike that from the record. <laughs> interesting, interesting slip. <laughs> I was thinking Lord of the Rings. I threw church in there and went, oh, shit, that's, that's blasphemy. That position's been blasphemy. taken. Blasphemy. <laughs> Sorry. That, that was a faux pas. Um, no, so I, I told him, I just don't think if you want if you want the things, it's going to take about eight months. And she said, I can do it in six months. And I was like, it's, it's not possible. She pulled it off in five. Three. Yeah, I, it's cool, man. I, three. Good on you for pulling off in three. I just, I couldn't. And, and so I don't remember how well, we so this is great. got so this to is this good point what? in this conversation. But yeah, it was cool. And it, that was a great because their number wedding. one fight was over the proper use of the historical grammatical hermeneutic. Yeah, like that was your your guys are okay. Yeah. So I don't know all the reasons, but I think it had something to do with maybe something was going on yesterday where somebody couldn't make it on, on a Saturday, so Sunday had to be the day. I don't, I don't know. So getting back to my number two reason about yeah. cheap grace, right? And because we need to go on to your number three. For my number two, it goes back to something the pastor that was the pastor of my former church before I was there back in Pittsburgh said about a guy in our church, Dick Weibel. He's the the guy every church has, the old, you don't know if he's half crazy or the smartest guy alive, Mm -hmm. but fully committed to Christ. Like he lives and breathes the gospel. His Bible is like shredded. Like he's got, Mm -hmm. he goes, you give me a hundred dick. He's like, he may be a pain. Like he'll come in and talk to you about the pirates for two hours (laughs) when you're trying to get a sermon done for later that day. He's like, but give me a hundred Dick Weibels and I'll change the world. Yeah, and and I think for both of us in our churches, I love the fact that like lukewarm people are listening to the gospel because I know that for them to move from eh to I'm all in, it's good that you're here. Yeah. On the other hand, you, you haven't quite got there yet. Yeah. I there is something to be said for we'd love a church with just Christian ninjas like all star. What would that be like? I don't see. I don't agree because if they're all ninjas, then we're not bringing in. Those well, right, and that's what I was marginal. saying. Like, it's yeah. good that the eh are still there. Yeah, yeah. You just don't want to give the ants eh any decision making. Like, you just want them. You want to coach them along. That's I just yeah I exactly. Look at so, people like you. Just got it. We just got it. As long as you're moving, moving right, good. But just move faster. Right. <laughs> Hurry up. We just all right. My number three. Yep. Oh. Uh, overthink it. Paralysis by analysis. Um, people who get frozen because they can't decide if, you know, is it a sin if I love my husband too much? I've heard that one. Um, 
is it <laughs> right? <laughs> like, if is it a? Uh, I can't decide if I, you know, am I going to church too much? Do I am I starting to think that I I'm too holy? My my people who just get caught in these don't overthink it. Oh, just and and I've had that before. Like I've you know I volunteer for so much here. I I don't want people to think that I think that they're holier than thou, and I'm worried that they're worried that I'm worried that they're worried. And, so you serve donuts on Sunday? Yeah, just, just serve donut. Just serve donuts on Sunday. It's fine. Just relax. You're cool. You know, and it's kind of the sin boldly thing um, that that Luther talks about. That's people get that misquote that all the time. It's it's not like go and do whatever you. It's like if you're not sure, or if you've got only two options, <laughs> and both of them are kind of suck, and there's going to be sinful ramifications. Do one of them. Yeah, and rejoice that you're forgiven. You know, it's like I, I had a guy who you know to divorce his wife. I think is is sinful and wrong. God isn't a, a fan of divorce. Staying married to her was sinful and wrong. I know that's true also. So you're going to sin. Pick one. <laughs> you don't get to not sin in this situation. So just don't overthink it. Relax. Go with your gut. Make a choice. Do something. Do something. Don't just sit there and spin in your head and, and worry. Or when, when people are so uh, concerned about, like, do I – oh, here, here's one that I um, – Camp is fresh in my mind because I was just up at uh, Camp Omega hanging out with some counselors up there doing some coaching. I I struggled for a long time. Is, should I go back and be a counselor at Camp Omega or should I go to mm. Lutheran Valley Retreat and be a counselor? What does God want me to do? I don't want to be outside of God's will. Yeah. What, 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 what does that mean? <laughs> right. What does God want me to do? Uh, it's such a small thing. So is this – I mean o- o- overthinking it and, and worry, right? They kind of go together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Yeah, relax. You're not going to make in God's kingdom. If you're if you're faithful and disciplined, you're not going to make a mistake that is going to be in any way catastrophic. It, I, I actually preached about this a little bit yesterday. The the fear of missing out. Like, boy, if, if, you know what? If I'd have gone back to Omega and been a counselor another year, I'd have met my wife. Oh my, my life would be so It'd much be, different. Yeah. Probably not. Whatever butterfly effect. <laughs> butterfly exactly the butterfly effect. I get hung up on that a little bit. It doesn't do any good to think about it. I mean, it's it's fun for five seconds, and then you're like, "But but what's in front of me today?" Yeah, right. And this this gets this gets down to my one of the things for for pastors, kind of tangential mistakes pastors make. The kingdom of God does not hinge on your ability to make the next good decision. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to be fine whether you make a bad decision or a good decision. The problem is, like you're saying, you know, you may miss out on, but 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 don't don't don't. Yeah, I had a one of my um, mentors. He's a member of the church now. I looked at him. He's a retired guy, um, and he's he's got this way of just cutting the bullshit and getting right to it with sarcasm, wit, and it's so good. So I'm sitting and talking to him, and I'm just kind of pouring my guts out, like, man, I'm stressed if I if we do this or if we do that, and like, if I do this, you know, things go really bad, or if I do that, maybe things go really bad. And I'm just oh, just distraught. And he goes, wow, you're powerful. (laughs) And I looked at him and I I looked (laughs) and I just said, fuck you. (laughs) And it had the exact right. It was perfect. (laughs) He's exactly right. He had you. Yeah. Oh, pegged. I was like, oh, (laughs) jeez. 100% right. 100% right. I'm. 
it got to this point where, you know, I, I overthought it and, and I was self-aggrandizing really without knowing it. Me monster. Yeah. Me. Yeah. It's, everything hinges on me. Everything everything comes down to my decision. Do you watch Brian Regan? Listen to Brian Regan at all? I've watched several of his stand-up, his hours stand-ups, yeah. He's he's great. Have you heard his me monster thing? Listen to his me monster thing. Okay. Yeah, he's at the party in the me monster. <laughs> and me and my da da da. He's like, and, and the, the 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 sketch was, you're one of the seven guys, whatever, that's walked on the moon, getting back to the moon landing. Yeah, <laughs> you're one of the men who's walked on the moon, and just how at these parties where everyone is just babbling on about how great they are, you're just sitting back like eating the pretzels. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> me and my in a corporate at Jed, and I fly around cars, and I got houses. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I walked on the moon. <laughs> I win. Manor, manor. <laughs> what do you say to that? Yeah, but to, but just how important everybody thinks they are, and 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 that whole thing, and and yeah, for the purpose of the kingdom of God, none of us is. What's your three? Uh, number three is that involvement in church is equivalent to your relationship with Christ or your faith. Oh uh, yeah, um, non-believers can uh, can, I th- mow, can mow the grass and even teach Sunday school, and um, when we begin to think of our you know, okay. So, listen to how many people talk about church, how many people talk about their denomination, compared to how much time people spend actually talking about their Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. We love to talk about church. We love to talk about Sunday school and programs. Mm. And oh, let me tell you about my on. church. Yeah, and where I go, and the pastor wouldn't marry. He changed the location. <laughs> but the but how much time do we spend actually talking about? So Jesus. Yeah. And and not that, okay, we need to run around talking about Jesus a whole lot and that check the box in spiritual maturity. But to me, it's just interesting to listen to parishioners because we, we've talked a lot about church in these podcasts and nothing wrong with that, but that that is somehow my faith and my relationship with Christ is equal to the church. Right. So evangelism is not. Yes. Say it. Church. Yes. <laughs> the goal of evangelism is not to make church members. But if you look at every church's <laughs> evangelism program. <laughs> Step one, step two, step three, step four, church member, done. Like, no, (laughs) membership in the church is a tool. It is a tool. And and for some people, if if we make you a member of the church, will it increase or decrease your likelihood to come and word and sacrament? Increase, then guess what? Congratulations, you're a member of St. Paul Lutheran Church. If we can dangle membership over here and make you participate in a discipleship process to get memberized, Right. We're going to do that because our goal is not to make you a card-carrying member of whatever. It is to have you connected to Christ. Yeah. Getting my elders' head around that was so much fun. Like one day we were talking – like early on when I was here, we were talking about membership. And I I go, I don't care how many members we have. And they they were like, but that's the thing. Members, big, growing. (laughs) And like that's the only thing we count. Like, right? Well, maybe we should. Yeah. <laughs> it is the only thing we count. That's Should it be the only right. thing we count? But look at synodical guidelines, right? Let's get I, back to what. I drive so our district crazy. So your pay crazy. goes up. <laughs> I know. Like, a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I get it. That's that's based off of responsibility. But so here's my issue. Like, Why don't we look at what the guy's actually doing? To get- yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. But one of my biggest – I drive our district crazy because I never give them numbers. <laughs> Because they ask for stupid numbers. They're like, well, how many how many communicant members do you have? I don't know. Yeah, I, I honestly – We do know. By the way, St. Paul, we're good little – Yeah, I, we never know here. Standing. We also give money to the district. Yeah, I, we don't even count <laughs> – like 
subscribe. When they always are like, we need the numbers. How many people are members, baptized, communicate? I always go, them, I don't them. really know. So, so. <laughs> and, and my, so I, I shot this back to the district once. I was like, so you want to know, you're more concerned with how many people are taking communion. What if I have a church that has 10 people taking communion and 100 people not taking communion? What does that tell you? Well, that tells me that there's 100 people who don't know about communion. I go, oh, so they're like new baby Christians who haven't been discipled. Isn't that cool? Should we count how many people are coming to faith in my church? Nope. <laughs> Just how many already are of. Screw you. It's, it's such a... We're, we're, Migration by transfer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, communi- yeah, so when the, the good news, evangelism, is sharing the good news. The good news is not that I have a cool church. <laughs> that's, that's actually not the good news. <laughs> and, and you too can become a member. <laughs> yeah, you can belong to a cool a church. A communicant member of uh, a cool church. Good news, my church has an awesome youth program. Good news, my church has great – I think there is something else our that goal is to, good. Our goal is for you to be connected to Christ. Yeah, what was That's the- a period. And if you choose to join our church after that happens – Fantastic. If you want to go somewhere else, make sure they're preaching Christ. Yeah. Right? But every church is every church that I've been in and every church that I've heard of, their evangelism program leads down a path that ends in church membership. Yeah. And to go, yeah, there's obviously going to be some like overlap between we are the church that is telling you about Jesus, and you're like, wow, Jesus. I'm reading in my Bible. I should join a church, become part of a church, or maybe I should become more? part of a church that told me about Jesus. Like, there's yeah. obviously a natural connection, but it's that so many churches evangelism programs. The goal isn't faith in Christ. The goal is church membership. Yeah, it's it's recruitment. It drives you nuts. It's it is recruitment. It's recruitment into the club. Yeah, it's not evangelism. Do we drink this whole thing of coffee? Neither one of us I've, has to pee. I've got cold coffee. Hang on. You have. You probably have a diaper on, don't you? <laughs> To prevent that because I I was – man, we have drank – I wish you guys could see this. There's like a half-gallon thing that an hour and 20 minutes ago was filled with coffee and now is just about empty. And then I drank coffee on the way here plus an energy drink in the car on the way here. Yeah. I almost got killed on the way here. <laughs> By – I had to – well, some guy in a Challenger cut me off on the on-ramp to the interstate. Oh, so and you I had, had to, to take him. <laughs> He had a V6. Oh, oh okay. so, you know, Challenger with a V6? I've been debating what the next car is. Oh. And, and on the list is Challenger. And the V6 is so much cheaper than the V8s. Like they, they dangle it in but front of you. But that's not a Challenger. But I heard what his car sounded like at full whack. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Challengers. My Challenger doesn't need to sound like that. My Hyundai sounded better. <laughs> There's no full reason. Whack. It was – I felt V6. bad for the guy because one, I'm not – I'm at half throttle, three quarter, gaining on this guy, and you can hear him. His engine is working hard, going. This just, you should be like dust of like tires going up in smoke, boom, and you're not. Don't buy a V6 Challenger. No, completely. completely V6 Porsche. Buy it. Uh, a German. Getting back to the German. Yeah. Thing. No, no. You wouldn't own a Porsche. I would not want to own a Porsche. No. Why? Because for the money, it's it's the for the money thing. Oh, I was I was not thinking in terms of realistic budget. Well, if someone showed up and was like, have my Porsche, okay. That, see, that might be the one – like if I had the money to buy one dumb car, it might be a Porsche. I have a member in our church has a Hummer H1. Those are cool. That's, that's, a, that's a dumb car to have. I, it's I would, awesome. I wouldn't mind having that as a dumb car. Uh-huh. Here we go, right? And I'm it's, with you. 
yeah. All right, where's what is? Am I up now? Number You're up number four. Four. Um, too many Christians don't know bad people. You need okay. to know some bad people. You need to. I always tell people. Um, I've, I've said this in sermons before. Every Christian needs to know at least one felon. Like like well, good friends with a felon, because if you don't understand what that world is like, you, you're missing out on so much. I, I think we because we end up in this circle of redeemed, sanctified Christians who are. It's a bunch of Ned Flanders. Is yeah, we're around. just getting and it's, and Ned Flanders has no idea what it's like to what sideshow Bob's up to. Right. So right. there you go. And, or even just a Homer Simpson, who is a guy who's a beer-drinking, probably functioning alcoholic moron. But wants to be a good guy. Yeah. Right? So Homer Simpson is – so I preached a sermon on Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson is the mythical average Christian. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much. He works hard for his family. He loves his wife and kids. He can't get out of his own way. He comes to church, but he doesn't really know what's going on or like what it's for. Mm-hmm. And he's not very smart. <laughs> so that right there. That is your average Christian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Homer's a good guy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's faithful to Marge. Remember, there's that one episode with the country singer? <laughs> and he wouldn't run off with her. <laughs> That's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> What's the song he sings? This could be our... Oh, uh... Oh, Marge, you came and you found <laughs> yes, <yeah>. turkey <laughs> on my day off from worky. <laughs> Wow, that is memory recall. 20 years. Jeez. At least. Glad, 25 years. Glad that's still in my head. Wow. <laughs> Luraline. Wasn't her name Luraline? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have Do you two- still watch The Simpsons? No. It's on all the time on like whatever three. I used to. Something. All the way through college and into seminary, I watched it and I just – I, I put so much dumb shit in my brain, like something had to go, and that's one thing that just had to go. But it, I, I still love it. Great show, but I just still can't. on, right? Yeah, yeah they're, they're on season like thirty or something, thirty-five. I need to get back into it. Yeah, of all the junk idea. on TV, getting getting a Simpsons addiction would not be uh, not the worst thing. But we need but we need right. more people knowing bad people. Yes, you because the way the world like. If you're in this Christian world, things just function differently. Uh, I got, I've got a good friend who, um, kind of on the on the reg, goes to jail. Like it's a thing that happens. It's hard to understand that mindset. You just start to think they're a bad person. It's it's not. It's just a cultural thing. Like they just grew up different. They see the world different. They navigate the world different. I, you you just have to get a, an appreciation. Otherwise, I think the, the problem is we end up avoiding a whole huge segment of people who need the gospel, and it's unfortunate. Like so, you, you got to know, and I, and I, that's part and parcel with you got to be willing to get a little dirty. Um, you got to be willing if if you can't stand uh, tough, hard language, th- then you. <laughs> You're not doing this right because where you go, where people need the gospel, they're going to swear, they're going to drink, they're going to smoke, they might fight, they might say lewd things. And if that is so offensive, you can't be around it, then you can't bring them the gospel. You know what we haven't done since the internet became ubiquitous? We haven't gone to war. What do you mean? 
We haven't gone since the internet became ubiquitous, right? Because I can have friends in North Korea. I can have friends in Iran. I can have friends in Afghanistan. Mm. And one of the good things about the internet, this is going to get better. Don't worry. We're not, I'm not. Right. Um, is that I realize that those people over there aren't as scary as I was told they were because I'm getting to know them. Right. And maybe it's more their government is the problem and not those people. Right. And so as we get to one, one of the good, the internet, we should do an in, internet yes or no. <laughs> and then broadcast it on the internet um, because I'm becoming more of internet. No, uh, on, on the aggregate, the internet is a bad thing. Hmm. Right? We'll get into that. Right. But one of the good things it's done is it has let us realize that the people over there that we didn't know anything about that we were told to demonize aren't really as bad as we were told. Right. And, and they're learning that there was a, I was reading an article about a guy that went over to North Korea to go to school because he's dumb. But he went over to North Korea and is talking to North Koreans and they're telling him like, we don't hate you. We don't hate the American people we, because we, you guys are fine. We don't like the American government. Right. That's not something they would have said 30 years ago. Right. And as we're getting – you know, as, as the average Joe has access to these other cultures, the, the people aren't bad. The governments are bad. Right. And maybe my government's not all that great either. And and so what you're saying is on a personal level, that guy over there that is just out of prison or that guy over there that's different than me, if I don't know anything about him, I'm going to be more prone to demonizing him. Yep. And if I get to know him, okay, there's a few things in their life that that's pretty dumb. But on the whole, yeah, you may not come over and babysit my kids, but right. we can go out and have a right. beer together. Yeah. If, if you aren't comfortable with sinners, then you can't bring them the good news. If, if you can't tolerate sin – then you will end up in this little echo chamber of just always being around Christians and have nobody to share the gospel with. And then you'll be surprised when, what do you mean, 60% or whatever the percentage is think gay marriage should be okay. Right. What, what do you, what, huh, huh? Who are these people? Uh, they're the ones you're not talking to, dumbass. It's most people. <laughs> right. Which doesn't make them right. <laughs> Correct. Uh, right, but it is most people. But we've never had a conversation with them to maybe try and illustrate some of the beliefs that we have. Well, this so. gets back to the tribalization thing, which we've talked about before. Yeah. I'm in my yeah, yeah. tribe. You're in your tribe. And let's see who's got the stronger tribe. Yep. All and right. What's yours? What's your uh, next one? Similar to yours um, is that is expecting – is Christians expecting people who are, who are outside of Christ to live Christian lives? <laughs> to think, to think yeah. that somehow our morality and ethics are going to make sense to them at all. Right. So the whole legislating morality thing. Ugh. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Except for abortion. That's one that we should. Well, but – Because it's murder. But, but, he, but that's that's a different issue. Well, and I, and I – frankly, I have stopped debating um, the abortion issue at all – for a long time now at all on scriptural basis or from a faith perspective. Because those people are already in our camp. Right. And it, it just doesn't so, – why would I say, well, God doesn't like this and, and then somebody goes, I don't believe in God. That's an impasse. Like, we're done here. Say it louder. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm now yelling it, so it's more important. <laughs> it, yeah, it doesn't work. So so from a philosophical, from a reasonable, even a scientific, <gasps> I know. it. <laughs> so we, can't, we also can't be the Christians who reject science and be like, oh, science is dumb and wrong. 
No, we need to use science. It just describes the natural world that God created. So, but let's just because use someone says thing. something is science doesn't mean it is. Uh, yeah, and I think that's sure. where we can add to the debate on. <clears throat> so you're saying that these rocks can tell us that they're 200 million years old. I don't think that's science. Right. I don't think science can look back in time because it can't. Right. Uh, no, we're we're on the same page. But anyway, there. but that's but that's a thing where you're going to have to debate the the, the pro life <sighs> issue on grounds of when is a human a human. Right. And everything, everything points to conception. Right. And it's, so it's, we all agree, let's not murder five-year-olds. Okay. How about, about four-year-olds? Four <laughs> <laughs> where and like you get to a point. What you're, you're going to find there is you're not going to like what you find because you're going to find a large chunk of our culture is okay with killing two-year-olds. That they bought into until that person can rationally think that it's a person – it's not a person because that's the last stronghold of the eugenics movement is so mercy killing. Well, they don't even know they're alive. They're a vegetable. Yeah. And, and this person that was born, you know, and their brain isn't fully formed. They don't know they're a person. So it's okay for us to just do away with them no matter how that's their, their last stronghold is it's not conception. It's self-awareness. Yeah. And, 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 a, and it's about a, 18 months to two years old. Right. And so that's going to be the, their last stronghold. And I think you're going to be really, not you, but I think people will be really surprised when the two philosophically consistent positions are conception and self-awareness. How many people are, yeah, if you're not self-aware, you're not really a person. And the answer is, the real reason for that is, I don't care. If you're getting in my, if you're getting in the way of me having a good time, you're expendable. Right. And that's really, so, so take that approach. Mike makes right. You're in my way. I don't want to have a kid. You're out of here. Grandma, grandpa, uh, I have no allegiance to you or the family whatsoever. You're draining my money. I want to go. To, I want to go to Tahiti. You're done. Or how about this one? My girlfriend is pregnant. She wants to keep the baby. I don't. So I'm going to abort the girlfriend. What was the case? Where the guy, <laughs> well, no. What was the case where the guy slipped his girlfriend pregnant one, the, uh, uh-huh. the abortion pill, mm-hmm. and they're going after him for murder? Yeah. You're like, hang on. Wait. <laughs> hang on. Is he an ass? <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> but if he gives her the the thing, yeah. it's murder. And it absolutely does. And I've, I've made that argument <laughs> before that you're defining defining life based off of – uh, Well, and value and who values it. So if the woman values it, then it is alive and human and precious and should be defended. If the woman doesn't value it, then it is no longer. And like – so that ignores all of the guys involved. Like I think it's valuable. doesn't matter. Not your body. Not her body either. But my kid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not worried about your body. I'm worried about my kid. Yeah. I, but to legislate it, I, I agree. Abortion is the one. But everything else – to, to try and make it because abortion is being is being philosophical in life. It's not really a religious issue. It's yeah. what is life. And again, I think you come down to either conception or self awareness. But self awareness is well, who's really self aware? <laughs> or I didn't. I don't think you're self aware. Prove to me that you're self aware. Or are you self aware while you're sleeping? Because then I can just murder you in your sleep and it's fine. <laughs> Which, let's face it, there's some people who women. Thank you for not killing us all. <laughs> Right. So, no, but it's 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 OK. So getting back to number four is Christians expecting non-Christians to buy into our ethics. Right. They shouldn't. It our our love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Yeah. That ethic does not make sense from a secular perspective. Right. Nietzsche is right. If there is no God, Nietzsche's will to power kind of thing. That is the way to go. 
Right. Uh, now, as Christians, we understand, no, there is God. Therefore, Nietzsche's you know, will to power is not the, uh, the ethic. But our ethic of love your neighbor as yourself doesn't make sense from a worldly perspective. Or, or so, just in general, like the, the idea that a non-Christian ought to behave himself when we come in contact with them in a, in a Christian way is just mind-boggling. In fact, getting back to the, the last podcast with Schnorr, he, he's telling this story about he's with a guy in jail. They're doing a Bible study. He goes, you know, he's never prayed before. And he goes, I think I'm going to pray. So he starts praying and drops an F-bomb in the prayer <laughs> and then goes, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's like, well, that's how you talk. <laughs> you realize he listens to everything you say, right? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and that's, it's, you know, the, the wrong would be like, oh, how, who, how dare you? How, how dare this you? This prayer is over. Yeah. Or like I, <laughs> those Christians who are, like, I cannot believe we, we cannot have these, these places of debauchery, these strip clubs and how, how dare people, like, if you don't, if you don't have a faith, why would you not? I would be there regularly. <laughs> like, <laughs> why would, cause that's where You'd the naked be good chicks at being are. a pagan. I would be the best pagan. I would win all of the pagan. I, I mean, it, why would I not do that? Right. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's awesome. If, it's if great. If this life is all about me. <laughs> right. Why would I do anything? Then why well, – would, would you be married? Yeah, we keep coming. I think – I was having that conversation with Joni yesterday. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's it a wedding. for Jesus. <laughs> no, because I, I used to think that if we – if something tragic happened, she dies, I would remarry. No. I'm yeah I'm with I'm on the other side of that now like if she dies mm, I'm not doing it again yeah I kind of had enough of that uh-huh. I might change my tune after the kids were gone and I was all alone and stuff for company yeah because I like I like girls <laughs> but yeah I don't know like to to ask a a non-believer or to expect Christian behavior out of a non-believer is a is a pretty good one. Why would you why would you get into a monogamous lifelong relationship if you're not a Christian? What what benefit does that give you? Well, there's some tax benefits. I'm just saying. Really? You get a prenup and then you get married for the tax benefits, so there's no downside to a divorce. That's not So you thought I mean <laughs> I really thought this out. <laughs> If I reject so Christ. any of you hot <laughs> pagan chicks out there, <laughs> if Joni dies and if I reject Christ, all yeah, oh, this is hypothetical. I'll be, I'll be coming your way, <laughs> and the kids are out there. No, listen, I've talked about that, and I'm like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, for the simple fact of the matter that there be that day. So, you, so you're single again. Joni dies. Alyssa dies. And okay, you go crazy for a little while, and then you settle down, you get married again. Um, there's going to be that time when it's inescapable. Alyssa would never have done it that way, where you compare number two to number one. Oh, for sure. Like that's not fair. Like that to me is I. Ah, I can I'm going to do that. it. I, see, I can't. That <laughs> I, I could not. It's not fair to number two. That here's number one. Number one is awesome. Number one, Alyssa's incredible, amazing. What if number two? I'm married better? up, and then. Number two is not going to – What if number two is better? Number two is not going to be better. <laughs> that's only because you have a good marriage and you can't I imagine do. it. I do. And and so that's why I wouldn't do it again. Uh, I'd do it again. Not Probably. A, no, you wouldn't. 
Yeah, it wouldn't be soon though. Try, it, try dating again. Go, go to oh, see, that's, that's a thing. Do I don't want to date. So when Alyssa and I go out to eat, which we don't do very often, <laughs> it's fun to watch. We always do the uh, who's on an awkward first date at the <laughs> restaurant, and then we just watch them. <laughs> right? like, like, wow, that's I don't. I would never want to go through that again. Yeah, I. Oh, you like things? You're a human being. Wow, let me pay for your meal, and maybe I don't know whatever. What are we yeah, I would date differently for sure. I mean, first date would be like, listen, mail um, order. Or, I mean, are, yeah. well, <laughs> but it, yeah, first date would be way deeper, and like, let's fast forward this and talk about important stuff because I don't want to have a second date <laughs> unless <laughs> there's some re- decent well, reason, to. reason to. <laughs> All right, my number one. Well, you're on number five. Or no, yeah. My number one. Your number. I'm, sh- you went backwards because number one is the biggest one, the most important one. They go in order. Yeah, e- my, five to one. Equally awesome. Per- personify God. That's a mistake. Yeah, to think of God like a person. So, anything from I wonder how God feels about that. Okay. Uh huh. What does God think about this? What's God telling me right now? Um, I just think God, you know, would probably do this, or even the question. So this one, I, I was kicking around yesterday. This, this, I knew this was going to be my so number focusing one. Focusing on the eminence and not the transcendence. Yeah, like the the idea that God always trying to figure out. Well, why is God? How how can we even begin to get our head around reason? in connection with an almighty being that is above and beyond all things that we understand and trying to do so right, it's accessing gonna, with human reason. You're not going to get very far. Yeah. Like, well, that's see, why the incarnation is a big deal. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so you go, okay. So Aristotle and, and Socrates using their, their reason and logic and philosophy. Um, it, this is how humanity works. So that must be how God works or, or uh, using any human discipline to try and, but we're constantly trying to no. figure God out through the filter of humanity. When in reality, we actually have uh, the human and God thing that is Jesus, and we could just read that and go, okay, that's what he would do. So like those that's bracelets, yeah, this is what he did. Those bracelets, what would Jesus do? I, the answer is always the same. Dying a cross, rising three days, ascended to heaven. That's the thing. He, he did that already. So to try and be like, all right, in this situation, what would Jesus do? I think that's wrong. Right. No, I, uh, I think if you're using Jesus as the example, I think the conversation you have is good. Right, that well, okay. So there's this woman in adultery. Should I condemn her? Well, when Jesus, the woman in adultery, he did not condemn her. Told her to go sin no more. So there is. So if you're committing adultery right now, I shouldn't condemn. I should call Alyssa and be like, "Listen, I know Duncan's cheating on you, but see, you no, can't. I think there's a good way. To, I think <laughs> I think the example of Jesus is a good place to start in our thinking." But I think we should also leave open the fact that things in the Bible rarely go the way people thought they would. That's why they killed Christ because you're not the Messiah. Right. Quit saying you're the Messiah. It is the Messiah. And especially when you when you read how the apostles went back and interpreted the Old Testament, not how we would interpret it, right? So even how they read scripture mm-hmm. is different than how we would. Okay. Yeah. No, they're drunk. It's nine in the morning. Actually, this is the Holy Spirit end time stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, Pentecost. So I agree with you to a point, but I think the example of Jesus does give us a 
a starting point for a conversation, yet there has to be room for what you're saying that – but he's God. And, and, and the example is Job. Job yeah. has God figured out. It's it, – what the heck's going on? God shows up and Job's like, shit. <laughs> That's not how <laughs> Not I what I had in mind. <laughs> right, because you would expect God to be like, you poor boy. Oh my gosh, you're so righteous and I killed your whole family and, 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 and you're suffering and oh my gosh, let me make everything okay. God's like – Job, <laughs> grab your nuts. <laughs> he said, he has, yeah. and, and here's a bunch of stuff that you don't understand how it works, Job. If you don't understand why I made a hippopotamus and how the stars work and where I keep the snow and all that, how the hell are you going to understand it if I talk to you about suffering and divine justice? Yep. And that's what I'm and talking about. And for four about. chapters, God goes on about, you can't explain the stuff that you see. <laughs> how in the world are you going to understand the stuff yep. that you can't see? I don't know, like me. Exactly. And yeah. Job at the end is like, I'm okay. I'm yeah. sorry. Trying to make sense of God is is that the personification, like we can, because I can make sense of people and their behavior and I can. Because they're finite. Yeah. This just makes no sense. Yeah. No, it's a good one. Okay. Uh, what's yours? Uh, Christians avoiding their Bibles. I, uh, right. That's cheap. That's lame. <laughs> I mean, it's right. It's, it's obvious. Don't read, don't read your Bible. Christians avoiding their Bibles. Read your Bible. Read your Bible and go to church. These are good things. You should do them. Um, will you understand everything you read? No. Keep reading. Yeah, right. It, teach, teach yourself Greek, really. I mean – Well, and I think part of the mistake people make is they read the Bible – um, as a study instead of reading the word because it does stuff to you. Right. The Bible does stuff to you. And and this isn't – okay, I'm going to be careful how I say this. <laughs> the Bible is not the only thing that has the power to shape and form you. For instance, I used to ride a motorcycle and <clears throat> I was um, – I, I loved to put music on and, and listen in my in my helmet – just ride like crazy, listen to screamy music, and then I decided um, I was going to ride my motorcycle and listen to System of a Down. Okay, but two songs. Yeah, in, two songs in death. I had to Pain. stop <laughs> and I had to change what I was listening to because I was riding so aggressively. I mean, I was coming around a <laughs> corner at about 110, and I mean, I could feel the the tires getting a little slidey, and I was like. Geez, I gotta. But it was affecting me. So, right. media does affect us. What we what we expose ourselves to affects us. Now, I believe the the Bible has more than just regular media power. That's where I would be careful and say that. But like we reading it in and of itself is a good thing. It shapes you. It forms you. Do that. Right. And it's a lifelong process. But people, the people want to read it and be like, "I want to read this so I can understand it, so I can answer Bible trivia and, <laughs> yeah. and have all the answers." Right? <laughs> no, just... it's it's a process. Read it. Sometimes take a verse, spend thirty minutes meditating on one verse. Sometimes plow through fifteen chapters. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Read your Bibles, people. Uh, if for no other reason than it makes us look dumb to the pagans out there, we have this book that we claim is the inspired and fallible <laughs> word of God that has the answers. That produces faith. That does all the stuff Luke's saying it does. I don't want to read it. Yeah, it's going to take time. It's boring. <laughs> so I mean, and so the challenge there is find someone who's read the Bible cover to cover that thought it was a waste of their time. Yeah, 
You can't find them. They're, they're not there. It's not a waste of time. So number one, re, or no, spend, don't avoid your Bible. That's a mistake. Yeah. Read your Bible. I dig it. All right. Um, pastor mistakes. Pastor mistakes. Do we put the name of the pastor next to the mistake? <laughs> no. No. I, so maybe we thought of this different. I was thinking like in general. Are you thinking like no, specific I, people who've well, made terrible I mean, mistakes? <laughs> These are general, but but, <clears throat> but maybe there's people who okay. come to mind. No, we're not going to do names because because Eighth Commandment says we shouldn't do that, mm-hmm. not even on a podcast. So um, I think I think uh, the my three or your one or however we're doing this is going to be the pastor mistake of thinking uh, everything hinges on him. Everything hinges on him. Should have gone first. Uh, is that one of yours? Um, why don't we wait and see? Yeah, everything hinges on him. In other words, um, the church lives and dies. Like when when my mentor said to me, uh, "Wow, you're powerful." Like the church <laughs> figured out a way to survive for two thousand years you. without me. Was, what? That's my that's my thing. You stole that from me. I did not. <laughs> yes, I did look at your list. The kingdom of God did fine without you for 2,000 years. There's yeah. a chance it'll keep that's going. My, that's, my, that's my thing. <laughs> it's, like, it's like we had the same brain. Well, I no, think – It did do fine without you for 2,000 years and the best thing you can do is not to screw up what God's doing. Mm-hmm. The best thing you can do is to get out of the way. And there's this, this idea that um, – oh. and if it's not even just a, a single pastor slash church issue, um, this, this sense of urgency that's out there that – now is the critical time. If we don't do, if we got to get the gospel or the church is going to crumble or blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, God's going to figure this thing out with you, without you. It'd be cool if you're a part of it. I think you'd enjoy that. But um, revelation happens with or without you. <laughs> the The world comes to an end with or without you. People go to heaven, are raised from the dead, live eternally, kind of with or without you. There you go. Uh, and so I'll do mine because it's the same thing. The kingdom of God needs you. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> right. Again, for pastors, it's if, if you do – I mean if you break even on the doing good, doing harm to your church, mm-hmm. your church will do just fine. Right? I mean it's yeah. – Yeah. Same thing. I – you know, OK. All right. Disappointing. Sorry. So the next one I have is uh, – they please people or the other one I like is disappoint. Really? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. 20, job is 24 seven to please people. Yeah. I, that's one, my number two, right? So one of maybe my, we're onto something. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things oh. to do. I, I say this to people and I, I actually kind of coach a couple of other younger pastors and I say, practice this phrase. I am going to disappoint you. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to tell parishioners. <laughs> like, they, like, just whatever it is, be like, yeah, I'm going to disappoint you on that. Sorry, this is not going to go your way. Sorry. Uh, yeah, and and seeing pastors who they're they're, you know, they're stressed out. Their job, oh man, I'm, I'm burning out. And like, well, that's because you think first of all, your job is a 24 seven job. It's not, <laughs> and that your job is to make everybody happy. It's not. Yeah. And I think those of us that know that our job is to make good decisions, sometimes patiently, prayerfully, to, to, to lead people, to, 
to shepherd them, to bring them along, to be patient with them. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, our job is to make good decisions, not yeah. decisions to make people happy. So um, what I don't have on here is um, avoid burnout or anything to do with burnout because – If you burn out, go do something else. It's fine. Well, I think – Because the kingdom of God doesn't, doesn't need you. Right. I think adopting these attitudes – Prevents burnout. Prevents burnout. <laughs> like this is this where well, we antitude. are, right? Thirteen years later. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. We, do you ever listen to those things of like ninety four percent of pastors hate their job, fifty yeah. percent like want to shoot their parishioners? <laughs> like these these death statistics about pastors. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, no, I, that's not me. Seven percent have a real friend other than their wife, yeah. who's also not their. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't like? like there's them. some terrible statistics about pastors out yeah. there, and I'm going, yeah, I don't. That doesn't apply. Like, mm-hmm. this is a great gig, right? I know. I I say it all the time, probably because I'm not very good at it. But it's a hundred percent. I you get to see God at work. Yeah, right. I mean, that's great. You, God used me to bring them together as husband and wife. God used me to forgive your sins. God used me to. Put the name of God on your kid. Baptism. This is a front row seat to the kingdom of God. Yeah, I love uh, yes, this please gig. sign me up. I think that um, I can see it. Like it's it's not so foreign to me. I I understand people pastors who have this like oh not, not sense of urgency is the right, but like this anxiety. You know. Um, this person's mad at me or that person's mad and like, Oh, I got to go. And, and and like they get to this point, that's how you get to burnout is when I got to run over here, make that person happy. Then run over here, make that person. Then because happy. I ran and made that person happy. This person's person going, mad. uh, yeah. on, my turn. Yeah. And, and sometimes those are conflicting. Like these people mm-hmm. are mad at each other. So I'm trying to make this person happy and that person happy, but they're the opposite thing. So then I end up kind of being a little deceptive and on the sly on some, st- it's all, if if you avoid doing these things, this job, the the burnout should be zero. It just should be. So if you're a pastor that is burnt out, that hates your job, let me give you a couple pointers because this has worked for me. Is when someone comes to me and says, uh, have you heard about, you know, some people are saying, say, okay, until those people have names, they didn't say anything. Oh, great. I, there is anonymous comments don't happen. The anonymous Whatever thing we just throw, we don't even read it. It goes in the trash. Anonymous comments don't exist. And if someone comes to you and says, "Have you heard about so and so?" Yes. Uh, before you get into anything, have you talked to them and have you prayed for them? Because until you've done those two things, you don't need to be talking to me. You need to be talking to God, and you need to be talking to them. Mm-hmm. If they blow you off, if whatever, then then you come to me. Yep. And once your people know that that's kind of your approach to dealing with unpleasantness in the parish. It's amazing how much stuff now isn't really that important anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, so one of my coaching tips is always, it's not your people's job to be healthy. It's not your people's job to be spiritually mature. It's not your people's job to understand because they never will. And it's, it's my job. My job is to manage me. My job is to take care of me. I love that my church takes care of me regularly. Great. But like when when I've got 10 people all knocking on my door trying to get a hold of me, I'm not angry at them. I don't go like, why are you talking about, don't you understand how busy I am? No. Why would that person understand how busy you are? I hope you're not like posting, right. these are the 10 families that are really fucked up and I'm working with all of them so you can't have a problem until next week. Like. <laughs> 
You, no, of course they don't know. That's not their job. My job is to manage and to do the triage. And this this is goes back to disappointing yep. people is yep. when somebody comes to me and says, you've got to do something about this. I'm the one who goes, you don't know about bam, 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 all these different things. And I'm going to disappoint you in this because I'm not going to do anything about this because I've got these things over here. And I'm not even going to tell you about what these things are over here. Because that's not your job. That's my job. Mm-hmm. And this is how you – and it takes a while, especially right at the beginning when you start doing these things with your people. This anxiety of he's not 24-7. He's not this immediate access guy. I can't just grab a hold of him and, and like he spits out the right answer and fixes a problem. Like you, But then you start to teach. Like we had a, a huge crisis blow up um, with a, people who aren't exactly members of our church but they're tangentially very close to us. And um, – Immediately it was, Pastor Luke, do something. Mm. And I, I put that way on a back burner because what was cool was the people of the church were doing something. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm I'm not I'm not yeah, exactly. Sit back, eat the popcorn, and watch it's this cool thing fun. happen because you guys are doing a great job. Keep doing it. This is the kingdom of God yeah. doesn't need me. <laughs> right. It's going to be okay. And and when the crisis is over that the body of believers handles and is handling really well, I might add, very proud of my people, I'm going to be there for the long term. Let's let's clean this bad boy up. Let's let's polish this thing, figure it out and and deal with it in, in a good way. But that that is key, key to not burning out is you got to understand it's it's my job to manage me. The church, um, mm-hmm. boy, this is going to sound really bad. Okay, so if you, um, how much of a trigger warning do I need to give to this? Here's how I describe the church. <laughs> if you're an unhealthy pastor who can't draw your own boundaries and you are, you cannot tolerate disappointing somebody, the church is a whore. She will take all of your resource mm-hmm. and just keep fucking you. If you're a healthy pastor and you draw boundaries and you manage yourself well, the church is the bride of Christ. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, a little Augustine in there, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that is exactly how I describe it to the guys I coach. I go, she so will- I need to invite you. <laughs> <laughs> she will take everything. This place, there will, if you are that guy who will, Jump in and solve every problem. They'll let you. And the list of problems. And dependency. The same thing about overseas, right? Uh-huh. If it, and, and, and this is the problem. Then the church becomes dependent on the pastor doing things that pastor shouldn't do. Pastor burns out and takes a call. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, now we're now we're a turtle with no shell. Now right. we're vulnerable. We're defenseless. I mean, this this maybe should have made the list, but start working yourself out of a job. Yeah. Get to the point where everything is working so well, the church goes, what's this guy do anyway? Right. Be like, got it. Did it. And then I can move on to the next one. Yeah. Or I can stay and start new projects and new things. Yes. Yeah. Um, no. So, so President Turner reached out to me and his niece. <laughs> Guess who's the new PAL supervisor? I love it. <laughs> I love it. But no, but so PALS is this program for new pastors coming out and they get a experienced pastor that can let, you know, so when, when they get out in the parish and realize my church is terrible, I hate what I'm doing, life mm-hmm. is hard. 
no, when they, when they, when they encounter all this, the speed bumps that they didn't anticipate or just need some coaching, like you're yeah. saying, um, they, that there's someone there that walks with them and you do panels yeah. events just to make sure these guys transition well into the ministry and they need to be hearing what you're saying. Right, that yeah. I mean, they need to hear it because at SEM they're told you are there, you are the sheepdog. You're there twenty four seven for your members, and every little hangnail that the members have, this is a spiritual crisis not only for them but for you as well. And going, that is dysfunctional, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and thinking that you can, you can, you can do that without burning out is like thinking, uh, well, I'm going to date a prostitute. And it's going to end well. And she'll. We all saw Pretty Woman. Right? Exactly. And I am Richard Gear in a Lotus. <laughs> and you are not Richard Gear in a Lotus. You have an El Camino. Yeah. And this is. And no money. She is never going to tell you. And it's not really Julia Roberts. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, the, the prostitute is never going to tell you, I think you should save your money. <laughs> right. And I think, how about we just. We'll wait for a little. You know, I don't think this is. No. Don't expect the prostitute to be concerned about your resource. It doesn't work that way. She will take all of it, all of your money, <laughs> all and of your time. that analogy out, if you're playing that role, you may be a terrible, terrible – John? Let's keep this, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say customer, but she's going to tell you you are the Mac Daddy big kahuna. She's going to keep screwing you. Right, and you're gonna and you're gonna think I'm good at this. I am I am riding this wave all the way. I am great. Listen to her, sweet talk me. I'm the best pastor ever. Nope, you're just. And then you have no money for the hooker, and then you have no for the church. You've got no, and you hate it. You've got no energy. You've got no time. And you've got to no complete the analogy, family. your your wife's gonna find out. <laughs> It worked. I've thought about this a lot. I've formed this it's over a great time. analogy. <laughs> right? <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah, so anytime you want me to come and talk to new pastors and swear at them, I'd be happy to do so. No, but they need to hear it, right? They yeah. need to hear that, that it doesn't mean that you don't care about your members. You do care about your members. You care about them so much that you don't want them to become dependent on you because yeah. you know that you're a weak, fallible you will you will disappoint them and and kind of circle this thing back to what we were saying about how much we love this gig we're we're allowing other people smaller portions of it you know absolutely so i i do get um a little hit of dopamine and and this like little buzz when i when i'm there for somebody and i and i help them i'm like wow this is great like that me yeah i get that and to say i want all of that <laughs> is is selfish mm-hmm. it's going to kill me and, but if I give a little bit of this, so this this group of people rallying around somebody to help them without me, I know they're getting that. And I'm like, see, good for you. I, I know how that feels. I know those feels, bro. Like you're in there and you'd said something, you helped somebody, it was good for them. And now you're like, oh, that's awesome. Well, you, you said a word. You said triage mm-hmm. earlier. And I think people need to understand that that's exactly what we do. So terrible crisis happens in life of one of our parishioners. We zoom in. We're there when the motorcycle parts are still on the road and they're peeling the body up off the, mm. the, the, the highway. Been there. We're there for that. But then we have another guy who ran a dump truck into, into an elementary school and we got to go do that next. Yeah. That family that we leave behind with the motorcycle still needs care. Right. 
But we're on to the next thing because we have a sermon we got to get ready. There's this other thing and a million other things we got to do. Just because we're not there doesn't mean we don't care. It means we got to go to this other thing. Right. And so at our church, we're starting Stephen ministry up again at our yeah. church. Awesome. Kind of scenario. So we're doing that and we're at two hours. Let's go to the number one. Um, that was my number one. My number one is to let pastor. the mistake pastors make is that an MDiv equals being mature in Christ. Yeah, right. That somehow you are a mature Christian or hero of the faith because you know you've got a master's degree <laughs> in theology and divinity, and it doesn't. Some of the most spiritually immature people I know have graduated from seminaries, mm-hmm. and because instead of learning about Christ and trying to become like Him, they use their MDiv as an excuse for pride. Yeah, well, it's they just because the synod the teaches them like you have an MDiv. Wow, you're really sp- you you to man, mm-hmm. and then the synod becomes the hooker. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and and it's – yeah, as an MDiv, great. Yeah, it's a wonderful tool. But but you got to use the tool for its intended purpose. Exactly. And a lot of guys look at their MDiv and go, you know, oh, yeah, look at that. That's pretty. Well, the MDiv is all of the equipment, but it's it's none of the game. Okay. So like if, if I've got helmet, shoulder pads, uh, cleats, I've got the ball, I've got the field, I've got the goalposts, I've got all this stuff – Great. You might still suck. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You've got all of the equipment. Can you play the game? You may still have no legs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or you just might be five foot two and weigh 85 pounds. You're going to suck at this. Here's your tuba. <laughs> <laughs> you can be in the band. Sorry, all you band nerds out there listening to this, but you guys are nerds. And you suck. Run with it. Yeah, just yeah. embrace that bad boy. Nerds yep. are cool now. Ever since Big Bang Theory, nerds got cool. You can still get laid. I've never watched an episode. Are you kidding me? You've never, never watched, watched Big watched Bang? It. No. Oh, it's actually pretty good. Uh, now, I, here, I will say that pretty good meaning um, watch uh, some of it. Like after a while, it's, it's the same joke. I mean, it's the same dynamic. They're nerds. It's Yeah, still nerds. But no, it is pretty good. I don't writing. know. It's no. pretty fun. Um, I think less of you. Yeah, so you you get your MDiv, you get the stuff, you you get the gear, you get stroked, but you got to learn how to play. Because here's the thing: how many people get encouraged to go down the route of pastor by people they respect? You're going to be a pastor. <gasps> That's great. You're wonderful. Oh my gosh, you should do it. This is your Jesus. Okay, and you get stroked. Yeah. Then you graduate with your MDiv. Everybody throws you a party. You're going to be a pastor now, and then they got to get back to their lives. And you're wondering, where's the, where's the, you guys aren't cheering me anymore. Why are people calling me? (laughs) (laughs) Why are people here celebrating me? The voters meeting made me cry. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, again, it comes kind of back to this self management thing, and I always say too, it's I'm surprised more more pastors aren't just bipolar because the only things we easy way out, (laughs) right? All we get is everything is great. I'm getting married. We're having kids. Or my husband died. Everything is terrible. Everything is great. (laughs) Everything is terrible. Everything is great. You never see the. I went to work today. Yeah, nobody ever. Right. Co- I, I preached a sermon once. I said nobody ever stops by to let me know things are normal. And like for the next six weeks, <laughs> different people stop by to say like, "Hey, nothing going on." We, we would have preached that, by the way. It's not bad. Hey, the kids, we're going to the pool this afternoon. Uh-huh. Cool. Because we're we're like so on edge. Well, you get the phone call. You get the phone call, Pastor. I need to talk to you about something. You're like, it's either going to be Hiroshima uh-huh. or, or Prize Patrol. Yeah, it's it's never like. Just wanted to say, like, you know, I really like the uh, the, the painting you have on the wall. It was it's good. Great. Yeah. 
else? What else is there? <laughs> I know. I know. That, that's another self-management thing is I have to work so hard because I get to the point where when I, when my phone rings and it's a member of my church, uh, immediately I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> something terrible. It's going to be four hours. I'm yeah. going to get back. And, I mean, and – Honestly, it's it's just, hey, I was wondering um, <laughs> if I could get a key to get into the office next week. Do you wonder? Do you wonder? If late, <laughs> do you wonder if late people like they know this about us? Like, I wonder. I'm going to call the pastor and tell him I need just, to talk to him about fuck something. With him. <laughs> 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 oh, it's a real thing, though. Or when I get a call from anybody in the district, like like if Mark Gherkin calls me or something, I'm always like, oh, I wonder if he listened to the podcast. <laughs> Like, oh, shit. <laughs> what happened? Uh, he doesn't know about the other podcast, though. No, no. Don't right. tell him. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it's, they have us trained. When really, the worst thing is, Pastor, you sin. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. It won't happen again. Please pray for me. That's the worst thing that could happen is, you did something <laughs> sinful. Right. And they don't like it, as they shouldn't. And right. And they say, please, uh, please forgive, forgive me. me. And they do. Or not. <laughs> it's kind of. And then it's on them. And that's it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to be scared of. <laughs> so funny. What's your bonus one? Oh, what was my bonus my one? My bonus goes for both lay people and pastors. Mine could maybe. I hope it doesn't. Um, my bonus was God is disappointed in you. We do this to kids. This is one. I hammered this at um, when I was training these counselors because I think we do it. Uh, accidentally every time, like if, if a camper, this, this is my example, I'm working with these counselors, sometimes your camper's a dick. Like that's just the way it is. You get a camper and it's just a, a bad, tiny human being that you don't like and does terrible things. Be careful because if you say, what do you think God thinks of that? Oh, yeah. See, you're, you're, it's so easy to do and, and it's play the God card to get them to be nice. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the divine epic leverage, right? You know, because then it's not the time. Like you can have conversations with like, like with, with my, with my kids, you know, tucking them in at night. If they've done something dumb during the day, it's, you know, Hey, when you did that dumb thing next time, maybe we do this instead. Yeah. But he knows like. Thomas knows, like, Dad loves me. He's tucking me in. We watched a Fail Army video. Like, Fail Army. Love it. We, that's our tucking. We do we, <laughs> Bible story, Fail Army. Watch people prayer. in pain. <laughs> I'm with you. I love watching people get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that ski jump's not going to end. That's what I love about it. Is it's always like you're 90% you're right what's going to happen. But sometimes you're like, oh, that came in. <laughs> Where did that come from? That's awesome. <laughs> he like, cause I try to get him on people are awesome too, because that's like, yeah, that's a good do. one too. Yep. Why aren't you as good as this kid with the gunshots, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't see you balancing on a building. Right. <laughs> Sheesh. Where, what's your parkour? But like, yeah. So, but he likes the fail army, but he knows like at that point, like dad loves me. This is the time of day. Both of us look forward to. And at that point you can be like, so when you punched whatever in the face, next time, don't, don't. punch him in the face, <laughs> right? Because he knows, like, dad loves me. And and so, like, what you're saying with the camp kids, in the heat of the moment, it's not the time to be like, God's disappointed. Yeah. There's a time for that. Right. But it's with, with them knowing, like, I'm loved, I'm forgiven, first things first. You don't want to put a kid's salvation in question just to get him to not well it's throw water balloons at Susie. even I, th- I think it's the antecedent to all of to a lot of stuff that is um 
<laughs> the, the antecedents to a lot of things that are essentially works-ish based righteousness. When people start, when you plant it in their head that that made baby Jesus sad when you punch Sally in the face, if it made baby Jesus sad, you immediately assume, so I can do things to make him happy or I can do things to make him sad when Romans says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So God is never disappointed. This I, it's, it's the wrong question to ask, basically, is it, what you're saying. Completely. The cross of Christ got rid of keeping score. Right. So what you can so say— So you actually are saved by grace. Yeah. Not yeah. of yourselves. <laughs> right, right. So when, when we say something like, oh, man, I, what do you—you you know, when, when you were doing that and all of that, you know, it's, it made so-and-so sad, and, and, you know, what do you think Jesus thought about that? And I'm like, oh, so sad. I'd, well, you're well, bullying. I mean, it's yeah. in, in a way, because I know what God—because God, strangely— thinks the way I think now. <laughs> God is very disappointed. I know. I talked. What to if you. your kids did that to you though? I mean, I, right. The more I'm a parent, right. Mm-hmm. It's life for little people is hard Yeah. because the old people are always telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. Always, always. And that's hard. Like I don't have people telling me what to do during the day, <laughs> right? If I want to go eat at Arby's and get a monster thick burger with extra fries, oh. like, I can do that. No one's telling me, hey, fatty, watch. (laughs) But you will. Somebody should. (laughs) (laughs) But little people, I mean, every minute of their day, there's an old person telling them no or do this or it's hard being young. Yeah. Or I hear this. So the, the adult version of that is, you know, when you go and do that, Jesus is there with you. He's watching you. And you're like, and what do you think he thinks? See, you're, you're just awesome. <laughs> you see Sally? <laughs> she said, that bitch deserved it. <laughs> no, no, don't hit women also. Um, yeah, that's – we when we think in these terms of God is disappointed in us, we – number one, we skip over the truth, which is that it's someone else. So what I told the counselors is when your kid is a jerk and does something terrible, are you disappointed? Yeah. Then just say, you know, I'm really disappointed in you. Don't invoke the name of the deity to get (laughs) Timmy to stop hitting Sally. I don't like you. (laughs) God (laughs) loves you. I think you're a dick. (laughs) And right now, I am your major concern. (laughs) Exactly. Because now you don't get to go swimming. You this. So like it's – keep it on the right level. We disappoint each other. We don't disappoint God. God loves us. All is good. If if I – do something, I may disappoint my kids, I might disappoint my wife, I might disappoint my congregation. There's enough people I disappoint regularly that God doesn't need to be one of them, and I don't need to worry about him being disappointed in me. He just loves me. He just forgives me. It's all good. I like it. That's my bonus. My bonus, lay people and clergy seen in both, masking bad decisions with the word faith. We just have to have enough <laughs> faith. <laughs> If we have faith, we can drive against traffic, right? Well, of course not. But you if know, we, we have faith, we, we can't, can't afford this. But but if we have faith, right. we can afford it. <laughs> That's not how faith works, people. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's weird when you talk to people about faith is trusting God says something in His Word, mm-hmm. and you go that applies to this. Therefore, He's going to do whatever. Yeah. It's not if I make a bad decision saying. Because I believe in Jesus, he's going to make this bad decision a good one. That's not faith. That's stupidity. <laughs> right. That's not how faith works. Well, it's, I think right? it's lazy too. It's, it's somebody who doesn't want to put the work in to, to actually know. <laughs> and it's that. Can you afford this? I just believe I can. Well, did you do the math? 
Math yes, is hard. <laughs> but then I, that's why we're talking faith and not math. <laughs> math is hard. I don't want to think about when you see strategy. churches making bad decisions, and it's because you you thought that that somehow God was going to bless this bad decision. Yeah. Maybe He will. Maybe He won't. But given the information we have, don't use faith as an excuse to make bad decisions. Right. It is a good bonus. So, yeah, you know, I think I did actually skip one of my top three for I think the third Ooh. one. I had for pastors was they don't lead. They manage. But Luke, Luke, Man. I was I was at the seminary for call day and I heard a, a sermon there about how pastors are just supposed to be sheepdogs and we're there above all else, I was told, mm-hmm. to comfort. Mm-hmm. Seal sorger. Seal sorger. And, and I'm there and I'm there to tell my people it's going to be okay. I, I am the comforter. Mm-hmm. By the way, me, the pastor, I'm the comforter. Not the Holy Spirit, like Jesus says, is the comforter. Right. I, in and of myself, have the ability to bring comfort, which even if someone's a hardened sinner rebelling against Christ, my job is to comfort them too in their rebellion, sin, and disobedience. Yeah, That's my call as a pastor. So this talk of leading, I heard a sermon that <laughs> said so I'm, supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a – why are you trying to turn the church into a business? Uh, that's what the secular world does is they have leaders. Because they succeed. Yeah. Hmm. But the secular world also – you know. Does accounting, so should we avoid that too? They well, if we have th- enough faith, maybe we can, <laughs> we can be a faithful sheepdog. So we don't pay our utilities here at Living Faith because that's a, kind of a secular thing. You have electricity. We believe God himself will, <laughs> will provide the light. I have faith that the lights just stay on. <laughs> exactly. Nicely done. So no, that's a good one. Yeah, and, and leadership is tough. It's hard to get your head around, and I – we, we should do a podcast just on what leadership is in the church for sure. But like if you don't – Because we, we are the experts in church leadership. I mean if you look at all the churches in the synod right now, <laughs> when, they, when, when, when PLI looks at what, what, what kind of men can we show for good – they don't go to the big churches. I know. They, they, come, to, they come to us. Obviously. Yeah. But I've it, been asked to write several books actually. <laughs> you keep turning them down because of CPH? <laughs> CPH won't let you use the small catechism <laughs> Digging up skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something on Facebook about that. <laughs> <laughs> something somewhere. Um, yeah, um, but this don't lead – like leadership – again, I just think it, most guys come out um, to be pastors and have no concept that they should ever even – it's just not even on their radar. Like, no, I preach, I teach, I administer sacraments, I comfort people, I love people. No concept sheep of leadership. Dog. Yeah, sheep dog. On the other extreme is people who think leader equals hero. Yeah, and equals I need to get all the credit for everything around here. Uh-huh. A good leader knows I don't need credit. Right. I, my lay people need the credit more than I do. Yeah. Because they're volunteering, and because they, I don't. The, if, if the church is going well, if God's work is being done, that's all the affirmation I need. Right. Let the lay people get the applause. Let them get the, wow, so-and-so really stepped up. And, and you can be the guy, not leading from behind, but the guy who set those wheels in motion. So, mm-hmm. for example, in our last election, I'm really excited about a couple of people. We, we have a, a nomination Trump. committee that goes around. Oh, your church. Right, no, right. the church election, right. the one that matters. And uh, <laughs> it's not rigged. And, and the Russians came in. But all those Mexicans voting illegally. Right. And so <laughs> – the next two years are going to be interesting. But the um, the uh, finding the right lay people to fill positions 
and, and, and bringing them on board and getting them involved and then watching them run a hundred miles an hour with it. Um, that's exciting to me mm-hmm. working with the planning committee to say, you know, encourage them to think big, encourage them to make good decisions. It's not my decision, mm-hmm. but working with the right people to make the right decision. Um, because again, if you have a leader who thinks <coughs> leadership equals hero, what happens when you leave? Uh-huh. And that's the problem with a lot of, I mean, your church is policy based, Yep. but the one thing policy based has to guard against is what happens when the guy leaves. And if he's used policy based to build himself up as the hero and the grand poobah, bad things happen. Well, that's actually, I, I believe policy based governance is the antidote to that. Um, the, but it does. So whoever, whoever um, transitions any church into policy based needs to be the right guy. Cause yes, but once it's going right and it's, it's the immune system. Sure. Sure. You get a guy who comes in like that and you go, no, see, actually we're policy based. You, you can't do that. And it's great. <laughs> so it's, it's the antidote. But if you if you're the one creating the antidote and you hack it to be the virus, <laughs> then, yeah. What's that movie with Will Smith where? where oh, uh, I, am, I am legend. Yes. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like there's a there's this antidote or a, um, a vaccine that whatever it was morphs and instead of everybody being immune to whatever disease it was, everybody becomes a zombie. Like that's, that is the exact potential catastrophe of policy based is if, if it is designed correctly, it's the antidote. If it's off a little bit, it's the virus. And the virus there is getting back to what we're saying about the pastor thinking 24 seven, I have to do everything. Mm -hmm. If the, if the center figure of the policy based governance thinks this is all about me and I need to make all the decisions and I need to be 24-7. That's the virus of policy-based governance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so so my recommendation – so for, for me, my experience, I came out of the seminary, had a great mentor. My senior pastor was just a rock star and he goes, I want you to read this book, Good to Great. Mm-hmm. Great book. In fact, there's a Good to Great in the um, private sector, Good to Great in um, nonprofits, I think. There's, there's a bunch of different Good to Greats. Anyways – it, it's a good book, but I remember reading it going, oh, there is so much about the thing I do <laughs> that this talks to. And like, yeah, it just, yeah. like, a, like it, I'm not saying that that's the book. I'm saying from there, I bet I've read 40 or 50 books on just on leadership, probably 20 more that kind of suck on <laughs> pastoral leadership because people try and, and I don't know. I, I think it's, I think those books that are about pastoral leadership oftentimes get uh, – I can do the Jesus stuff on my own. I, I know how that works. I don't need you to tell me about grace in, in leadership. I need to know about leadership and I know about grace. I can figure this out. That's just me. Maybe maybe that's benefit for somebody else. But just as a, as a new pastor, start reading books on leadership. Yes. It's uh, – so I have my uh, church council reading books on leader on church leadership, mm-hmm. and we're going to teach ourselves about church structure and leadership, how that works. Because if I should be reading those books, and you're 100 percent right, mm-hmm. then my leadership teams need to be mm-hmm. reading those books too. They yep. need to educate themselves because then they'll make better decisions and won't need me to say, "Here's the here's a good decision you should make. This is the bad decision. Don't make that one." They'll be making good decisions if, mm-hmm. if we can educate them. So I would argue, Luke, not only should pastors be reading those books. Give them to your leadership team. 
And if they cycle off leadership, that's fine. They have the tools yeah, for down good. the road. When a bad leadership team comes in and they're making bad decisions, to have the guys on the sideline going, uh, no. Yeah. When they, and when they cycle off, you're just salting. Learning is good. Yeah. You're just salting your – you're seasoning the people with good thinking, with intelligence. That's always a good thing. Um, so every, every time we go through an election cycle for a policy-based, I, I sit and we do some training with them. And um, I've assigned several books for the, the council to read, for my elders to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's – yeah, it's required. If, if you're not investing in – and it's not secular stuff. It's just that the secular world has the resources to invest, to be able to codify, organize, write this thing on leadership. Well, church structure is secular. That's fine if it's secular. Yeah, I agree. But the, but the result is spiritual. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like a pastor. Like, if you can get your structure out of the way to not hinder ministry, you're going to win. Mm-hmm. In the same way with a pastor. Like, as long as you get out of the way and don't become a hindrance to what God's doing in your church, mm-hmm. the church is going to win. So what we're facing at our church is our structure fights against us making good decisions and moving ministry forward. And so it becomes a process on we need to teach the people of the church because I see it. This is what it's doing. But you guys don't see it because it's all you've experienced. Right. So let me teach you why this is a bad structure and you'll be the ones to make the, the changes. I don't have to do anything. Well, what's brilliant here is is this church figured that out before I got here. Mm-hmm. And then they were – so in the phone interview, they were like, we're, we just know that our structure, our governance sucks. We got we to fix this. And I was like, hey, you should look into this thing called policy-based. I accept the call. I get here, and they're about halfway through transitioning it. And I was like, "Okay, Thank tweak you. this, 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 and this," and we just went. And it was so when the the body starts with, "We have a problem." They didn't have a solution. They just they just went. Definitely, this isn't going great. We it's got to work better than this. And I I just said, "Check this thing out," and everybody jumped on it. And it's it is such a healthy that's i think a big part of what makes this place so healthy is our governance and it's mm-hmm. it's run by people who get it who work in the corporate world and love jesus those two things are not diametrically opposed to each maybe other maybe you should come in and speak to our i mean seriously Happy to do come so. in and, yeah that'd be great instead of just throwing marshmallows at me at a confirmation banquet those aren't marshmallows those are rolls rolls yeah that was fun for me it's a blast <laughs> still the picture of you dumping water on my head at first I was wearing a white shirt man that thing's see through what are you doing well you won a contest <laughs> alright Duncan let's wrap this thing up thanks for coming in those are top five top three and a bunch of other stuff um, I'm heading to Kenya this is going to come out probably I'm hoping I have internet in Kenya to, to drop this um, I think I will and um, otherwise when I get back we, we should record a couple more let's keep doing this all right. Thanks, dude. And there you have it. Duncan never disappoints. Um, it's kind of fun. How cool is that that our, our pastor mistakes all kind of lined up? Yeah, I said that it was um, our, our Christian mistakes were – his were a little bit more specific doctrinal. Mine were more like life practice, whatever. Um, really, those two go hand in hand, so you don't really need to, uh, to separate them. We just kind of came at it from a different angle, so that was pretty cool. Uh, like I said, I hope this comes out while I'm in Kenya. I hope I have the internet to uh, get that accomplished while I'm over there, but I'm not sure. So, um, yeah, I just realized that earlier I said you can follow me, um, but if you if you are just hearing this now and I'm in Kenya, um, you should hurry up and follow me because I'm going to be on my way back in like four days. <laughs> so go check it out. Luke Tim is my Facebook handle, uh, Luke underscore Tim on Twitter, and or at Luke underscore Tim on Twitter, and Luke underscore Tim on Instagram. 
Thanks, boys and girls. I had a fun time. I hope you did too. Till next time, be good. Be good.